touchdown, Kansas City. This is the Chiefs postgame show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. The Sports Radio 810 Chiefs postgame show is presented by the Missouri Lottery. Go Chiefs. Play the new $5 Kansas City Chiefs Scratchers tickets from the Missouri Lottery and win up to $600 cash instantly. Play it forward and play responsibly. If you want Chiefs, follow the leader. Sports Radio 810 WHB. We did it last week. We'll do it again this week. Welcome in to the Missouri Lottery Chiefs postgame show here on Sports Radio 810 where the Chiefs have dropped two games in a row at home. Falling to the Texans, 31-24. to There are a lot of things that went wrong today. This was similarly uh, to how it went Sunday night when we did this last time against the Indianapolis Colts. A lot of differences as well, though. Tyree Kill was back, and the offense looked better, but not enough better. The defense was poor again, but I think you saw towards the end uh, where the Texans were willing to test it, and it was everywhere uh, roundly you can see the places where this defense has fallen short you can uh, you can go to penalties and you can go to refereeing which by the way like this is not going to be a show about the refs I have no interest in doing that today but the referees were terrible consistently throughout this game sometimes to the advantages of the Chiefs uh, probably more often to the advantages of the Texans there are so many things to try to dissect about how this game unfolded out at Arrowhead. We'll have Andy Reid for you, Patrick Mahomes, audio from the locker room. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Brad Porter. Brad, uh, two weeks in a row of coming in here with a loss. I'm going to imagine two weeks in a row of uh, of, of narratives going in directions that I think are, are oftentimes missing the point. If I gave you one dart to throw at the biggest issue from this game today, you would throw it where? Failure to take advantage of turnovers. I mean, Carlos Hyde fumbles the ball. You got a field goal. And then they picked off Deshaun Watson twice and got nothing out of it. Three and outs. And also, my God, this is two weeks in a row with with, with the play calling, calling like on a set, second and 13. Really strange. With, and calling a run play. Yep. This team does not run the ball well. You're not getting out of the hole when you're down by, or when you have more than 10 yards to go. You're not getting out of that by running. That's just not going to happen. It's just not. And I think if if I was going to go to a unit that would be the most responsible for what you just laid out, Brad, again, all the stuff about like man coverage we talked about all last week, we always said the thing that's going to help you beat man coverage is going to be Tyree Kill. And I think that came to fruition. Uh, you saw it especially early. This this wasn't a team that was offensively solved or anything like that. I think that's all a little bit wild still to be trying to latch on to any of the blueprint stuff. Because it's not really a blueprint to say if you can make the quarterback uh, either have to get rid of the ball in half a second or at least lose any opportunity to push the ball downfield or even lose the ability for any of these receivers to try to escape the coverage that they're seeing downfield, that'll beat just about anybody. And for the second consecutive week, the Chiefs had significant offensive line problems. Again, the defense had plenty of issues. And and we'll talk about the whole possessions thing again. It, It panned out. Very similarly to last week, although the Texans in the second half, they they didn't allow a whole lot of opportunities for the Chiefs, but the the opportunities that they did have, again, being few and and far between, those last two offensive possessions the Chiefs had were three and outs, both of them. Whenever, we're, we're all grading on a scale here, right? 
I think if, if you don't start at that point, you're, you're not using all the information that we have. We're grading on a scale with the Chiefs, and the thing that we have expectations for is the offense. And now two weeks in a row, we have seen them have the two worst scoring numbers that they've had in the history of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's marriage. They, they've gone sub-26 zero times until last week, and now twice in a row in these two weeks. And they had opportunities where the defense did do enough, where, the, where you get a couple of turnovers, or three turnovers. You have some chances in good positions. Now, like, like the one Thornhill one should have just been batted down. You know, yes. that, I mean, that... Uh, that would have been a turnover on downs in a better situation. You'd have been at like the forty yard line, right? It would have it would have saved them about twenty yards of field position. But I digress. As this game's in no by no means Juan Thornhill's fault, but you know, just for the sake of of clearing out that potential follow up. Whenever you have these op- these opportunities as an offense, and you can look at Mahomes' ankle. By the way, this team plays another football game in four days. Four day on Thursday. They're playing another football game, and it's on the road in Denver. And if you want a hellacious setup for a team going on the road on a short week against a division rival, it looks a lot like this. Chris Jones won't be playing. Eric Fisher won't be playing. I don't know if Anthony Hitchens will be playing. I, I don't know. Kendall Fuller was out at the end of the game with a thumb. Um, Ty, again, Tyreek Hill looked excellent. He looked healthy, and he, he made the offense look more like its original self in that first quarter where they put up all but seven of their points. Mm-hmm. With weeks after not scoring, they hadn't scored a touchdown in the first quarter since Tyree Kill was last out there against the Jags. You have all of these expectations. You have all of these things that you rely on this offense for. And Mahomes starts with 116 yards on that first drive. Like, it's a math-breaking thing because of all the penalties. (laughs) He ends the game with 273. Three touchdowns. But you get the the interception that shouldn't have been, by the way. That's, I think, pretty evident. The refs just absolutely bungled that. There there, there probably shouldn't have been pass interference on that play against Travis Kelsey because he wasn't the targeted receiver. But it was absolutely defensive holding. Like, there's not really a sound argument against that. And that becomes a first down instead of instead of being a long interception. And there are plenty of instances of that. And again, all of the penalties will be brought up time and time again. But you you still have this defense with all of its problems. Giving up 31 points to the Texans, that feels about right. Like I don't know if you would have signed up for that ahead of time, like you certainly would have last week with the Colts final score. But if I would, if I said, "Hey, the Chiefs gave up 31 points to the Texans," how do you feel? Say, "Oh, Hill's playing," and and it's you know they put up 17 points in the first quarter. Great. This game might be 51 to 31. You you have these opportunities that you absolutely have to take advantage of. And, and listen, man, I know that you can you can kind of stack this argument either way. And I'm sure that people waiting on hold are going to try to stack it the other direction, and we can we can fight over this. That's fine. But for me, I place expectations on the offense. It has Andy Reid, and it has the MVP at quarterback, and it has Tyree Kill, and it has Travis Kelsey, even when it doesn't have Sammy Watkins. It has McCole Hardman, who they spent a high draft pick on. That's the unit that you have expectations for. Whenever you go, oh, they didn't, they didn't get very many opportunities with the ball. Whatever they did, they did nothing. They had the ball for six plays over two drives. And if you are doing 
anything productive at all when you have the ball in your hands. The Texans are playing offense differently. I'm, I'm telling you, and I've told you forever, throughout the course of this season, I'm going to be concerned about the Chiefs' run defense like fourth or fifth out of a list of concerns, almost regardless of what happens because of the way that, that the NFL is constructed right now in a game where they ran for almost 200 yards. So I'm telling you, there are absolutely instances where situational run defense matters, and Reggie Ragland showed up in the one that mattered the most today. The pass defense fails on that fourth down conversion to end the game. They fail numerous times along the way. They would have failed more dramatically if Will Fuller had hands. Like, he he left 14 points on the board. DeAndre Hopkins was pretty well covered, but it was all short stuff, and it was a 1,000 first downs converted with him. The, the defense as a whole absolutely has problems, and whenever you're giving up r- uh, rushing first downs, that absolutely is a problem. But the Texans weren't afraid of the Chiefs' defense on any level anywhere, and they weren't afraid of of giving of, of even like fearing having to give the ball back because they could play whatever they want. They could dictate what they wanted to be doing. I would argue again, starting with the offense here, because that's the thing that you have the expectations for. This defense has Frank Clark, no Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, no number one corner, a great play from Traverius Ward. Some penalties from Bashad Breeland. No, no Xavier Williams. Right, I mean... No, no Hitchens. And they, and maybe they're not the best, but you're still down to your second guys. Right. And and the, the Chiefs offense also obviously has all of its injuries. But for me, the, the good and the bad of this team start with the offense, except in the instances of last year when they put up 50 points and lose. Those conversations change. In this game, man, they had... Two three and outs to end their game. I don't know. I feel like it would just be dishonest to start anywhere else other than that. And again, they, they weren't even able to do what they wanted to do offensively in large part because there was no faith that uh, that Patrick Mahomes was going to stay upright whenever the Chiefs uh, tried to throw the ball downfield at all. I couldn't really understand why the, not only that running the ball on second and fourteen. I'm still not going to get over that. But they came into the game down Jonathan Joseph. Who's not the same as he was four years ago? But sure, he's still a damn good player. Yep. During the course of the game, uh, Ro- uh, Roby, who was their best defensive back in the yep. game, knocked down three, like first play like, of the second half or something like, like that. Two or three passes, he had knockdowns. He's out of the game. Yep. You're down to four healthy corners. Yep. And you cannot find a way to attack them with Tyree Kill. And look, Byron Pringle's not the biggest name in the world, but damn, he makes some good catches and runs. Sure. McCole Hardman makes good catches and runs. Travis Kelsey, second half. They threw to him the one time, and he got tackled on the plane. They didn't call pass interference. Again, it's a referee thing. I'm not going to get into that, mm-hmm. at least not yet. But how is this team not attacking a team that has four healthy corners? And their, t- their top safety and, and one of the best corners is out of the game. Just go away from it. It's a really similar conversation we're having at this point last weekend where the Colts were in that game without their two starting safeties. Yes. We were having this a similar conversation, and Reed talked about that later in the week. Say, hey, you know, like we didn't run the ball because we were trying to attack those safeties. But again, whenever the pass rush is getting there, it was Justin Houston last week, and today it was a it was a variety of of pass rushers because everyone had a chance to win their matchups. Um, and if I don't know, you might not have necessarily heard his name very much except for the time he didn't recover the fumble. Um, but the the less left side of the offensive line. Um, was was Cam Irving at left tackle and Martinez Rankin at left guard. Austin Ryder has been really touch and go all season. 
And then the right side, like there were plenty of times early on especially, and this is where I think, again, you can begin to understand a little more of what's going on here, but it's a tough, like, this is this is a tough thing to just let be the reason you lost a game. You saw early on, I think four out of Mahomes' first five passes, he was basically sprinting to the right and then throwing the ball wherever he felt like. But it was just very, uh, very obvious, like, Mitch Schwartz, you hold your spot. I'm going to get the hell out of here and away from the left side of this offensive line, and then we'll sort of figure it out. If his ankle got worse, or the one time that it did maybe get a little bit caught up there, you saw him limping pretty hard uh, after that that pretty ferocious hit that he took in, in the pocket that one time. Um, whenever you're left asking about his mobility, his ability to get away from the parts of the offensive line that you don't have any faith in significantly decreases, and then everything significantly decreases. And like, look, and Mahomes also had his worst like three or four pass stretch. I think I've seen him have as a professional. Like that interception, I think was probably on miscommunication of some sort because it wasn't anywhere near. I, I think Fouts said something about triple coverage. It wasn't even triple coverage because it wasn't to anyone. So I'm not sure what happened there. And then there were a couple of just misses all in a row. Um, so somebody on Twitter was like, I think he actually hit his head pretty early on. That. I haven't gotten back and been able to see that, but like, I don't know. It, it sort of looked like he had just hit his head. Like it was just a bad stretch for Mahomes. And so there's plenty of blame to go around, and you can you can look at, at his game and see where the problems were at. I still fundamentally reject the idea that like he's gotten sloppy. I think that's really silly. You saw him having some of those plays early on in the game where he was throwing off his back foot and making these tremendous throws while backpedaling. He hasn't gotten sloppy. He hasn't gotten healthy. And so I'm I'm not in any sort of like panic button on Mahomes as a football player on literally any level. My concern right now is is what level will he be able to perform at with an offensive line that that is just giving him really no help. Like he wasn't even knocked down that much today, but you saw how they changed the game plan of how long he was allowed to hold on to the football and what they were looking to develop downfield. That stuff just started going away really really fast. And I would have even looked at looked at an option of you watch what Houston did with um, Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. is a really good arm, but all of their stuff was underneath and short stuff. Yeah, all day. The couple of times they went long, those passes were dropped in the end zone. Yes, I mean Ward, who had 260 yards and four touchdowns last week or three touchdowns, he had the case of the drops. I couldn't believe over and over and over. So I don't know if the uh, I have to listen to Andy Reid to see if he had um, tried to come in with a game plan to get more short throws. But man, alive, that was it's frustrating watching Deshaun Watson do it with so much success and then seeing the Chiefs not be able to do it against corners that are not the top guys for yeah. Houston. And I don't know I don't know what like I'm guessing someone will ask Andy Reid something to the effect of like, hey, why wasn't the offense able to move a little more quickly? You get Tyree Kill back. Travis Kelsey was excellent for most of this game. Um, Tyree Kill was excellent for most of this game. You have McCool Hardman out there who is who is going to provide matchup problems for just about everybody. And again, like they didn't have you like you do have to really dissect because they had very like they had very very few uh, opportunities in the second half. They had the driver. They did go down and score that touchdown. Tyreek Hill's second receiving touchdown of the day. Um, then you get the, the the ball back on Traverius Ward's outstanding play in the end zone uh, is one handed grabbing the interception. And then you, the Chiefs get the ball back. Incomplete pass, deep shot to Demarcus Robinson. Just greatly, just great defense on that throw. Uh, third and ten, you get a neutral zone infraction, which makes it third and five. Third and five, you go over the middle. Travis Kelsey, 
that's the play where, where he gets kind of ridden into the ground. Andy Reid challenges it. It's not overturned because it never will be. You could you could say right there, okay, what should the Chiefs have done differently on third and five? I mean, I think what they did differently on third and five would be to be in a universe where they get that flag. Like, that's there, there's not a way that Kelsey makes that play with what actually happens there. So if you want to look at that and say, you know what, the Chiefs should have had a first down there instead of having to punt it, I... Again, I don't really want to sit here and talk about the refs for a super long time, but I would understand if that got stuck in your craw. And then their next possession, Mahomes, first down. It doesn't take long to go play log on this one because there are three plays in each of these drives, so forgive me for reading a play log. But first down, Mahomes has some time. Super deep drop. He ends up checking it down to LaShawn McCoy. Flag thrown. Holding on Cam Irving. They actually don't even like use that because the play was for a loss of four. So right. it's a loss of one less yard and a loss of one more down. That was rough. I mean, I'm guessing they're playing good coverage downfield because the the pressure wasn't getting there and Mahomes couldn't find anything, but I don't know. And then it's, again, because these individual plays matter so much in these situations. You run the ball on on second and 14. And Why? Get a, and get a whole yard. Why? Why? What about mm-hmm. this game on any level would make you think that was going to work? And by work, I mean get you what? Eight or nine yards? Like, you're trying to get to third and four, third and five, third and six, at the very least to a point where you could theoretically go for it on fourth down. Because, look, I, I don't like punting the ball back to the Texans when you're pretty sure you know how that's going to end. But to then you get third and 13, Mahomes bails out, and the, that's one of those plays where the offensive line just collapses. Just completely. Yeah, and he, he turned around about two or three times in the backfield and then tried to roll to his left, and it was it was going down. But, he, he did it about two or three times yeah. slower than he usually does yes. as well. That was one of the few plays where went, oh yeah, that dude's ankle's not right. He's mm-hmm. like That's not the pivot he usually makes in that spot. So he bails out, spins left, throws it nowhere near anyone, to your point, Brad, and they end up punting it back. Because you Going forward on 4th and 13 in that spot, I guess you get a slightly better statistical chance of um, of, of just punting it back and then getting a stop. They got a stop on 3rd and 1, you know, like that sort almost worked. But the the 2nd and 14 run call, it's it's very rare that a coach gets asked about one specific play in a post-game presser. I would be pretty disappointed if somebody didn't ask about the decision to run there on 2nd and 14. I would love to know what was going on, unless it was just a total... You know, distrust in Mahomes and the offensive line. But even then, like, you've got to try it. You've got to attempt to do something that has a prayer. That wasn't even cute. That wasn't even an interesting run play. It was just, here's the ball. Go that way. And and I, 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 can't, I can't watch that. For the second week in a row, an inexplicable running play when you absolutely need that next first down. It was really bonkers to me. Yeah, and on that that final drive for Houston to to run out the clock, you saw the problems the defense had the entire game. This team just can't tackle. Mm-hmm. Because on that second play of Houston's final drive, Hopkins got the ball about, about a quick hitter, about two yards over the line of scrimmage. Yep. And Damian Lee couldn't make a tackle. Darren Lee. Or Darren Lee. That's uh, Dam- fine. It's an Dam- understandable mistake to well, make on this team where everyone's named yeah. to the D or as a Williams or something. Well, and Damian Williams had a, a couple of missed tackles, too. This team just cannot tackle. Damian Wilson. Damian Wilson. There you go. I, See? The fact that I'm correcting I'm, you mix, means that you are mix and match. in a bad place right so now. So there you go. Because that's so my mistake. There were, there were six, seven, eight times at least where the Chiefs had a stop of two to three yards, mm-hmm. where, in which the Texans were able to spin out and gain an extra five, six, seven, eight yards to get first downs, to keep moving chains. The, I just I was ba- over in the conference room, I was banging my head on the table. I was like, is anybody going to tackle around here? Right. And this was brought up this week with the defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo. It was brought up 
in his press conference. What about the problem with tackling? What about the problem with this? And he goes, yeah, none of it's working right now. Yeah. And it, it, it's still a problem. And you can't, you can't tackle in practice in the National Football League. That's just not going to happen. They don't do tackling practice. These are all professional football players. Yes, you should be I able don't, to make. Yeah, I don't know we, how tackling is a problem. Still, it they're not going to do tackling drills because I don't you really should, get it. You are supposed to know what you're doing. This yeah. team just, this team just cannot tackle. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it's a fear of like, if you know, if I do this, someone else will clean up, and I can eliminate a big player or something like that. I don't know. Um, we've got a full uh, board of uh, callers that will begin to work through after we hear from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I believe them to be nearby. If you want to watch that, you can watch this show, by the way, um, and also all the pressers on the Sports Radio 18 Facebook page. We are live doing this show. The uh, the pressers will all be live there as well. I uh, Somebody tweeted in from one of the things I said earlier on, and literally, like, my my tweet deck is moving too fast for me to even know what's happening. But someone says, yeah, I usually agree with you, but I think the run defense actually does matter, certainly more than fifth. Off the top of my head, offensive line play, Mahomes' ankle, defensive tackling, pass coverage. Again, dudes were dropping passes. The run on second long at the end of the game, run defense. I got it at six there, and I'm I'm going to think about it some more while Andy Reid's talking. But like, regardless, again, my general point here is that Almost everything that happens offensively, whenever you're trying to assign blame or understand where things fall apart, almost everything offensively is going to take precedent over almost everything defensively until the offense actually does check all the boxes, like it did last year against the Patriots, at least in the second half, and against the Rams and games like that. That, you know, against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, we can talk about the place the defense has failed. Here's another one that's going to make your head hurt. Okay. Okay. Houston turned the ball over three times. Yes. They gave you the ball three times. Yep. Fumble on the opening play. Yep. Two interceptions. Yep. Three points off those turnovers. That, and they missed a field goal, and they missed an extra point. Five huge mistakes. And the Chiefs could barely put any points on the board. I'm going to move penalties up the list. They're going to be up there. I I decided not to put uh, refs. On there, because again, I, I do think that can be a little bit of a cop out, even whenever I can look now and, and point to specific plays where it went really, really poorly for the Chiefs in a refereeing sense. Well, this, uh, it's they really frustrating. They mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast when the flags started piling up that this referee crew routinely has the most amount of flags distributed in the course of it. So they were averaging over 17 a game. This one hit 22, 23 combined penalties. Like, I mean, it's, it's brutal. And also, Andy Reid's teams in Kansas City have had problems with penalties. Like, that's been the case. The special teams have been bad for a couple of years now in terms of penalties for sure. And the first really two, kick- maybe the in first terms two of kickoff returns. Yeah, it's always. The first always, two kickoff returns had penalties. And it's always Half the something. distance, you're back at the 10-yard line. Yeah, it's always something. Um, whenever you look at the penalties thing, like, it was a pretty even split. It was 10 for 70 for the Texans and 11 for 79 against the Chiefs. I remember a couple specifically um, that were, that were, were declined, but, like, Last week, you have the big one against Breland, that DPI. Maybe you can go to the non-calls, but that's a different conversation than just the penalties happening. Like You could have gotten an advantage on the Texans, certainly, if you would have had way fewer penalties. But it's not like, it, it's not like they were way sloppier in that whole conversation. All right, let's go out to Arrowhead and hear from Coach Andy Reid about what happened tonight here in Arrowhead. He heard a slum. Um, you know, love that uh, x-ray and looked at here. Um, I've got to do a better job of getting our team ready to go. And um, that's where it starts. Uh, we're, we're more disciplined than what we're showing with with the penalties. And, um, 
and drops and so on. We've got in tackling. We've got a, you know, we've got a bunch of things we've got to work on here, um, and get them turned around. I've seen us uh, do it better, and we will do it better. And as coaches, we got to make sure we're putting the guys in the right position, and that again uh, starts right here with me. Um, there, there are a bunch of things to to look at, uh, but again, penalties, time of possession. Um, you know, those are those are pretty big uh, at this time. Taking advantage of turnovers, we got to make sure that we do a better job offensively, taking advantage of turnovers and and uh, scoring touchdowns. Um, and that's uh, again, that's my responsibility. So anyway, with that time, Drew. Coach, what, what, what type of uh, improvement were you looking for last week's game? You ran the ball 14 times, 36 yards this week, only 11 times. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's some of what you deal with if you're in an RPO game. Um, if you're doing that, um, you're going to have some that end up being throws. Um, but that's how we roll. And um, we'll go back and look at it and see see what we need to do better there. I mean, that's, you know, uh, that starts with me. And, and did, did, what was the, did you get the explanation? Did it make sense to you on the play where they picked the flag up where Pat threw the interception? Well, they gave me an explanation. Yeah, they did. Um, and so I, you, you take what they give you and you try to get going again. I mean, there's no use arguing about it um, more than what we did. So you got to move on. Was it just the same explanation that they announced? Yeah, I was going to. Yeah. Andy, obviously you wouldn't put Patrick out there. You know, you know he's able to play, but I, I'm wondering if you're seeing any difference in his mechanics at all with the way you favor the <laughs> No, listen. He's had he's done a pretty good job the last couple of weeks. So I mean, he's made some nice throws, and um, you know. So I no, I haven't. You know. And I'm not telling you it doesn't hurt, but he he's been doing a nice job. Tyreek Hill coming back, obviously two touchdown catches, two targets, one interception. Did he look like the Tyreek Hill that you've seen in practice the last two weeks? Yeah, it was good to get him back out there. That was probably a positive to. To have him back out there and come out healthy, most of all. So, yes. You limited his snaps a little bit. Obviously, that was the plan. Yeah, just getting him back in uh, the swing of the game, and we do. We have a quick turnaround, and so our guys know that they, we got to bounce back from this. We got to learn from our mistakes and and, and get back and um, get ready for a good Denver team. Andy, do you want want Georgia to drop that ball on that from that player? You want him intercepted? Yeah, you know, I was on the bench when that went on, so I'm not sure I got the whole picture of it. So I'll have to go back and, and look at that. Um, so. Andy, with, with the run defense, what, what's, is it something different every play? Is it sort of plaguing that? Or is there something you can sort of put your finger on that's been pretty consistent there? Yeah, well, the, the obvious is that there are too many holes, and we've got to make sure that we squeeze on those and fill. So. Uh, that's a, the basics of it, but you know that's it's not one person doing. That's not the problem. How do you feel like uh, the past defense did? Uh, we were better there than than uh, the the run defense. So they had almost 200 yards rushing the football. So we got to tighten that up. Couple more guys, coach. Last week you said uh, you need to do a lot better job of front on the defense and offensive lines. Early in the game, you kind of called more rollouts and things like that to protect the line. How did you feel the line held up today? Yeah, we did some good things, but we, you know, we got to cut down on the 
the penalties all the way around. I mean, it really comes down to that. Whoever's making wherever, there are quite a few holding penalties here, and we've got to get rid of those. Um, so on both sides of the ball. Coach, you were, Coach able put, you were able to put points on the board in the first half. Is that what you wanted to see as far as like last week you weren't able um, to do that going forward? Is that yeah. Yeah, you want to do it really every every series you want to put it on, but um, uh, it was better uh, early. But we got to finish stronger. We got to finish games, and we got to do a better job all the way around. Last two, um, Coach, each one of you guys tried to challenge the one of an offensive pass defense. You on the defensive side. On yours, I mean, the definition is egregious, and you threw it because you obviously thought you, thought you could get it. Is that just going to be really hard for? Yeah, it's really hard. I, I, you know, that's it's a hard thing to get those overturned. I mean, I know that from the from it being statistical, you know, the statistical analysis of it throughout the season, it, it's the chance of getting it is small. Um, but I, I thought he was tackled, so I, I thought I'd throw it on there and see see what happened, um, but it didn't work out. Coach, with it being a two in a row now, just what's your message, your challenge to the veteran leaders on this team? Yeah, and so we've got good good character in in, uh, in that locker room all the way around, um, and so uh, we've uh, you know we've got to stay positive and upbeat with it and and uh, learn from the mistakes. I mean that's what we've got to do. I've seen us play better, so that's my responsibility. Make sure we get get to that position and. Uh, but the character of this team is, is solid. Um, we've just got to, we got to flip a few things. The margin of winning and losing in this league is minute. And you're just a play or two away from coming out of this thing with a win. And so uh, we've got to take care of business. That's what we have to do. And uh, every season is going to give you some hurdles that you have to uh, scale there. And this is, this is one of those uh, challenges. So it, it tests you. Um, but we'll bear down. We'll bear down and get it done. Okay. That's Andy Reid. We'll get to Patrick Mahomes here in just a second. But Andy Reid's press conference is uh, Andy Reid's press conference is brought to you by 360 Vodka. Hey, Cheese Kingdom, grab a bottle of 360 Vodka for your next tailgate or watch party. 360 Vodka is the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs and has your game day cocktails covered all season long. Also brought to you by KC Grilling Company. KC Grilling Company located on in Olathe at 159th and Merlin. Your one-stop shop for all your tailgating needs. Stop by and check out KC Grilling Company or go to kcgrilling.com. There are a handful of interesting things in there. We'll take some calls uh, after we uh, we hear from Patrick Mahomes. So if you're in line, hold your spot and we'll, we'll get to you soon. Uh, but we're waiting to, to hear from Patrick Mahomes live at the podium today. Anything jump out to you there, Brad, from uh, Andy Reid? He's talking about uh, the defensive uh, the defensive side and not being able to stop the run. When I, I watched it a little closer this week, especially with the injuries, and the Colts were able to do this effectively last week. They just wash guys down the line. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a football insider term, but um, most people know it. Most people are more educated about it. Guys are getting blown three to four yards to the left or to the right, if not back. They're just getting – you're giving me a hand signal there. You got something? Yep, we're going to go to Patrick Mahomes okay. out of our head right now. Well, how we feel and how, how we have been as an offense is that we're going to try to score on every single drive. Uh, there were some drives in the second half that we couldn't get going, that we got to find ways to score whenever it's a, a close ball game in the end of the game. Patrick, if you thought your ankle was bugging you enough that it's preventing you from being able to do all you want to do, would you be able to say, I can't go, or is it just too hard because you're so competitive? 
Yeah, if I felt like my ankle was affecting the, the team and, and the success of, of the offense, I would for sure uh, uh, move on. But uh, at the same time, I feel like I'm still moving around. I'm still able to run, scramble, uh, throw. And, uh, I mean, we just we just haven't executed a high enough, uh, high enough success rate as offense. Did you aggravate it on that, on that one play where you, it looked like you got hit in multiple ways? Yeah, I, I don't know if I necessarily aggravated it. A big dude just fell on it. And so I think even if it, if it was hurt before or wasn't hurt, it would have hurt anyways just from that guy falling on it. Is this sort of like quantifying how close you are to, to being 100% or at least where you feel like you need to be? I feel like I'm I'm good now, honestly. I mean, there's I'm still able to scramble, I'm still able to run and do all those different things. And so, uh, obviously, I'll still get treatment and stuff like that. But I feel like I can still do everything I need to do. Patrick, on that play with, with Kelsey that ends up being an interception, did you already know there was a flag coming and, and change your throw because of that? Um, well, the, the play was kind of designed where where Kelsey was doing a, a double move and. I, I was kind of letting him work it, knowing it was man coverage. And I, I saw him, I guess, getting ready to do his move. And I went to throw it uh, to the spot to kind of give him a chance. And then I, he wasn't there. And so I, I, after you, you looked at it, you realized he kind of got tackled. So that's the reason he wasn't there. But with how the ruling works, I guess, that they said that since the ball was uncatchable, that it wasn't pass interference or something. They actually said because it wasn't the receiver, but that actually was the receiver. Yeah, Kelsey was supposed to run a little double move up the sideline where he kind of went out and back up, and he tried to go out and he got tackled, and so that was that was the end of that. You, you, once the, the flag was down, you kind of thought it was still going to be your ball. What was that like? Thirty seconds, like when you were trying to explain that to the referee? And... Yeah, well, I mean, we were just trying to get a kind of we we're trying to get an explanation from the referee on why they they picked up the flag and and what was the reasoning, and they they said that. He the ball <clears throat> the ball was in my I had thrown the ball when he was getting held which is a rule that, you, that that if it's uncatchable you can't call pass interference but I mean the reasoning of him actually running the the double move was the reason he fell down and that was uncatchable uh, it, it it shook me but um you have to move on you have to play you have to find a way to uh, play better after that after that flag and find ways to win the game. Is, uh, he didn't like his explanation I guess. Or what yeah I mean I think they had gotten the call or something, so they, they, there was nothing they really could do. I mean, I know they're, they're doing their best job trying to officiate the game the, the right way, and so, I mean, once once it's over, it's over. You have to move on. Patrick, did you get similarly on the penalty situation, did you, you probably wouldn't have thrown that ball, I guess, on the on the first touchdown, if, uh, not for the offside. Yeah, you get offsides. We, we had put ourselves in a hole with third and 20 or whatever it was. So uh, we had an all-sides play, and, and so instead of going for maybe trying to get in the field goal range, knowing that uh, I had those free the, the free play, I put it up there for Tyreek, and he made a great play. No, that dude can jump out of the gym, man. I mean, if you ever see him dunking, I mean, he, he can jump up there and he can make plays. And so it's, it's good to have him back. He played well today. I mean, we'll keep he'll keep getting more and more uh, back in the offense as we uh, keep getting him back. How much pressure does he yeah, he definitely helps everyone. Uh, the the added attention that they have to give Tyreek it helps open up other other guys. And uh, I mean, we just have to find ways to have more success as an offense and be more efficient whenever we get our opportunities to find ways to win. Hey, Mark, as, as the quarterback, is it kind of disheartening the last couple of games that you haven't been more balanced or looking at you know six to forty pass run, uh, you know, with the kind of position that you all uh, had the last few weeks? Yeah, I mean. I think that just goes to the flow of the game. I mean, obviously, we want to be able to let our defense get a little bit more rest and not have those three and outs. 
But, uh, I mean, on the drives that we did have success on the field, we ran the ball, we threw the ball short, we threw it long, and, and we, we moved it with the, with the running game. And so just having more of those, not having those three and outs, not putting our defense right back on the field will definitely help out the whole team. What's your message to the team on a short week? Yeah, I mean, I mean you get the, you, you got to bounce back. I mean, we're going to Denver, which is not an easy place to play at um, against a division opponent. And so we know that you got to you got to have to right the ship. You have to make sure you get this thing going the right way again. And they're going to give us a great effort. And so we have to make sure that we uh, we find a way to come out with a win at the end. All right, thank you. That's Patrick Mahomes. His press conference is presented by GoodSense. GoodSense was founded 30 years ago right here in Kansas City and couldn't be more proud of their hometown. They're going to be truly good at something, takes hard work, and it just makes good sense to have Patrick Mahomes as a part of their team. we got to take a break. We'll take some calls whenever we get back here uh, on Sports Radio 810. I'm Josh Briscoe with Brad Porter, Missouri Lottery Chiefs Post Game Show. The Chiefs Post Game Show is brought to you by Missouri Lottery. Every ticket you play gives back to schools across Missouri. So play it forward with the Missouri Lottery. No score. We have played three minutes. Darrell Williams trots into the backfield in the slot. Mahomes, he may get a free play here. Houston jumping offside, and Mahomes will gun it long. Trying to get a free play, and the pass is up for grabs, and it is caught inside the top five near the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Welcome back the Cheetah. Not only can he run, he will track the football like no other. It is a 46-yard, just throw it up for grabs, and watch the Cheetah pull it down for touchdown, Kansas City. That is our Tullamore Dude Tully touchdown of the game. We raise a toast to Tyree Kill on his first touchdown of the season, returning from injury and having an excellent play right there. Tullamore Dew is the original triple blended smooth sipping Irish whiskey made exactly for these great moments in fandom. Please drink Tullamore Dew responsibly. Our uh, our mailing address hasn't changed, Tullamore. If you want to come by, Anytime. especially for a loss, would really Any- be great. Anytime. Uh, that's people hanging on the lines here for a while. Let's get to a few of them. Gary, you were uh, first in line, so uh, take it away. Well, let's not give a toast. Let's give you're going to get toast, Tyree Kill. I want a swift kick in the pants to our head coach. You know what? He's got total control now. This is all on him. Personnel decisions, coaching hires. We can't blame. We can't blame Beach. This is all on Andy. This is all on Andy. Beach will be the scapegoat eventually when things don't go right. I was against it when they hired this guy, and I I referred to him as the big dumb coach in the red hat. Today, it's changed. It's the big soft dumb coach in the red hat. He doesn't know how to build a football team, guys. This team, this defense has been horrible for five years now. You they were in the AFC point. Championship game last year, Gary. Yeah, with the defense that carried them. Yeah, we know that. But, uh, no, but like what we're talking about, you're talking about Andy Reid. Like, the, listen, man, the criticisms on the defense, like not firing Bob Sutton sooner, was 100% on Andy Reid. He should have done that a year before, and time will tell on Spagnolo. But come on, man, to say that like he can't be a co- like you were against the hire when it happened, you're outing yourself as saying something extremely foolish. Like the offense was the best in the league last year. But it's a team game, Joshua. You got to have all three phases to win. We've seen it. The offense can't carry this team. Something else has to come up. There's no leadership on this team. Who's the guy in that locker room that's going to go up to somebody and say, if you don't start doing something, I'm going to put my foot in your room. There's nobody in that locker room that will do it. I mean, even the quarterback today made a couple of errors. On the on the play before halftime, 
just eat it. He didn't eat it. He had the ball sticking out because the coach was too stupid to tell him just to take an knee. We'll go in the locker room with the lead. They so, had – Gary, They it's a close game, and they had all three timeouts with 30 seconds. Listen, man, I, I think sometimes a lot of your points are reasonable, but I think you're, miss, I think you're missing on this one, man. There's a lot that's totally fair to be critical of, but to, to go with, oh, Andy Reid was too dumb to just kneel it out at the end of the half is super revisionist. The penalties are on him. This is his culture. This is his team. Penalties are fair. That's fair game. Uh, listen, man, I'm not saying you can't be critical. I'm saying you did it at the wrong spot. Yeah, the penalties, and, and that being something that's been consistent throughout Andy Reid's time in, in uh, Kansas City, totally fair. And the drafts have been horrible. The last two drafts, what have they got to show for it? A gimmick wide receiver, Nicole Hardman, who's probably a year or two away from being anything special. Juan Thornhill has made a play here and there. He's been nothing short of less than spectacular. Colin Saunders is a tech, is a blocking sled. He is. That's all he is. They're getting nothing from these draft classes, guys, and they're spending big money in free agencies. They're making trades. They're getting. They've got nothing to show for it. Uh, those just, are all. Those are all fair points, Gary. We got a lot of calls to get to. So I'm gonna let you go. Thanks for the call. Those are all fair points. I just think that you started that with like three unfair points that kind of un- ultimately undercut your argument, but. Thanks for the call, Gary. Uh, you're listening to the Missouri Lottery Chiefs postgame show here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. Josh Briscoe, Brad Porter. Uh, 913-3810-810 if you want to hop in line. Next up, though, is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey. Hi, Gary. It's going to be all right, dude. Uh, <laughs> I really like yeah, taking the, you guys back-to-back. That always makes me happy. The, I was tra- yeah, I was Beards marked that. Up, Give that to Jake. You make us work for our time now, don't you? <laughs> I do. Come with the heat and come correct. Good. So Gary is wrong. And uh, uh, the defense just playing out sucks. But, uh, you know, he, he, he's talking about the offense. Well, hell, Andy Reid know, knows he's got to score. Yep. I mean, yep. I don't I, – I, the fumble is what it is. They're trying to do too much now because they are undermanned. Now, hopefully it gets better, but what the heck are you going to do because you can't sign him by now. But they're going to have to do something and change something up. But, Gary, come on now, dude. He's like the Adam Schiff of this show. So, anyway, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Brad, I promise I'm going to let you actually talk. I'm going to get the, the, the guys who have been on the line here forever, and then uh, I'll let you uh, come through with whatever caught your ear. But let's I get did. to – I, uh, I imagine that you might. <laughs> let's go to Chris here. Uh, what's up, Chris? What? I did not know. Chris? Uh-oh. Chris? No, the bread smoke. That's what I was asking. What was that? Hmm. I think it's a grocery order. Yeah, I'm not sure. All right. Said, well, last week we had somebody I, fall asleep on the line. I, Today we heard a grocery order. I think she said, don't forget the bread and milk, something like that. I heard breast milk, but I bet it was oh. bread and milk. Oh. I bet you're right it was bread okay. and milk, but I definitely, that's not what I heard. Nothing will top last week with uh, the guy asleep on the line. Snoring. No. Snoring. We'll, we'll see if we can We'll see if we can continue topping it. <laughs> uh, you got a call from Gary and a call from Ryan. Brad, what jumped out to you? Okay, so Gary's point was that Andy Reid is dumb. Yes. Because he was trying to keep moving on the last possession. Well, second to the last possession of the first half, you take out the kneel down. Technically, the last possession of the first half. Mm-hmm. So, it was first and ten at the 20-yard line after the interception. 32 seconds on the clock. Right? Yep. The previous possession, uh, the possession number five of the Chiefs, they had first and ten at their own 26 with 3.06 on the clock. 19 yards to Pringle. Uh, five yards on a penalty for uh, defensive holding. 17 yards on a, a slant by Kelsey, which, remember the one where he twirled, kept himself off yeah. the ground, broke two tackles? Yeah, it was a great play. 19 yards, five yards, 17 yards, uh, got stopped. Um, uh, uh, Hill was in double coverage, so that wasn't good. So three back-to-back plays of no gains. And then a field goal attempt of 50 yards, which in today's NFL, you tend to get on a pretty regular basis. Mm-hmm. So that's how far they went. They got into field goal range starting at the 306 mark. On that 
last drive where you know Hill got strip strip sacked and you know the ball run out. Thirty two seconds and three timeouts is plenty yes. of time to get into field goal range. Yes. This, if you're thinking about it like, oh, we need to score a touchdown before the half. That's not the thinking there. With thirty two seconds, the thinking is get the field goal because then it makes it a twenty three twenty game at halftime. And the counterpoint, if I was going to give you one, would be, is it worth risking a strip sack in that spot to try to go get three points? Yeah, you have Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. So the goal might not be a touchdown, but you might bleep around and, and fall into one because that's how that actually happens with this offense. And again, like uh, it's something that Ryan kind of mentioned there a little bit is the idea that this this team knows they need to score. This offense knows it needs to score. And that's not surprising. Like, that's not, they're not being caught off guard. Like, oh, we got to play catch up now. No, they need to go out there and be productive like they were in the first quarter. And let me correct myself. I said you would have been, it would have been 23 20 at halftime. It would have been 20 to 16 because Houston scored on that first play after the, after the strip sack and the fumble. So, or the recovery for the touchdown. So it would have been 23 to 20 or 20 to 16 in favor of the Chiefs going into halftime had they gone down and gotten the field goal. If someone wants to show me their tweet from before that driver, they said that they should just kneel it out here. I'll take it, and you can be right. But I don't think many people had that tweet. Uh, let's go to Butch. What's up, Butch, on the Chiefs postgame show? Hey, gentlemen. Yeah, uh, another uh, disappointing loss. Thanks for getting me on the line here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a couple quick points. I, I heard you've already made a, a few of them, so I'll try to keep it pretty high level and let you guys discuss it. So, uh, you know, first thing that, uh, that I would just say is, I'm Serge. I think you just spoke on it, right, JB? Like this team is built to score. Yeah. Where do we spend the money on? We spend it on our offense. We spend it on being a dynamic, down the field, impatient offense. And when that doesn't work, something has to change. Mm-hmm. I think Andy tried to get it done. First quarter, they were very patient. They moved the ball very well in small chunks. They were able to take the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes in the offensive line. They got good results with that. They were able to score with that. They got lucky, got a turnover, didn't get a touchdown, they got more points. And, and then I felt like they got away from that. This, this team, um, as much as I enjoy it, as much as it's been historic, as great as it has been with an MVP caliber quarterback, um, it is at times a victim of its own success. Um, and, and that's unfortunate. I think that's part of their undoing, uh, and the most of that being Patrick Mahomes' uh, bum left ankle, which which is continuing to, to hurt his offense's ability to, to be good on. Oh, I think that was really close to the end of the point. I didn't do that. But just call Drab. But Butch, I appreciate the call. Um, I think that's all That's all well taken. And the, the one thing I would say to sort of allow for a counterpoint would be in the what have they spent their money on? What have they spent their assets on has been the offensive side of the ball more soundly. But, like, they did the like, Tyron Matthew wasn't a huge budget breaker or whatever, but Frank Clark was. Anthony Hitchens was really expensive. They have spent money on the defensive side of the ball. And, I mean, the way I, we were talking about it, or at least that I was talking about it, you know, pre-draft, looking at some of the choices that teams like the Patriots have made in terms of um, investing in their corners and their safeties instead of investing in their pass rush and and often their linebackers, the Chiefs did the opposite thing there. They said, we're going to try to slide by with Breland and Ward. And again, both those guys had like some decent plays today. Mo Claiborne, Kendall Fuller on his rookie deal still. Um, God only knows if he'll be back next year. We're going to rely on those guys. They, they did draft Thornhill and sign Matthew. They addressed their safety position. But, like, the Frank Clark move, like, he got juked out of his out of his pants today. Yes. Like, that was bad. He also had a great play at the beginning of the game where he forced that fumble. 
all of that being said, like you pay a guy that kind of money with the expectation of him being a game wrecker, and I would I would say that he's been a good player. And that like so is Alex Okafor. In moments, so has Emmanuel Agba. Not not much and not recently. But Tano Passigno has had some good player plays, you know? Chris Jones has had some game wrecker moments. And and listen, I'm expanding it to larger samples as we have for Frank Clark. I'm not here to make a ruling on that still. But I do find it fascinating to look at how they they built this defense sort of schematically with the, the, the pieces they brought in for it. To where I would add that, like, again, I think the pressure's on the offense because it's by far the better unit, obviously. But to... But to invest in the defense the way that they have this last offseason, this is still absolutely a disappointment from the defensive side of the ball. That's unquestionable. That's, yeah, go ahead, Brad. I can't really argue with that. You, when you look at the guys who were brought in, you could say about almost all of them, they've had good moments, maybe one or two great moments, but been pretty average. Yep. Now, Darren Lee, supposed to be a great cover linebacker. I, I haven't seen anything great. He's been good at times. He's been okay. Damian Williams has been pretty good. Yeah. He got uh, juked out of his socks today as well. Wilson. <laughs> Wilson. Okay. Yeah, I, I so, knew it. I said yes before I uh, put it together. Yes. He's been, he also, again, today today might have been his worst game. And yeah. he's been and pretty good this year. Agba's had some good moments. But the big money guys um, haven't been really. had decent moments, but yeah. nothing nothing you'd write home about and say, wow, that was spectacular. Yeah. Not I also much. have nothing definitive to say on Tyron Matthew at this point. Please don't don't take this to the bank. But it, it felt like he was very near the play a lot today. It felt like he was making tackles after completions today in a handful of situations. Um, and I don't – I just – I the size of the TV screen and the angle of the broadcast coverage, I cannot tell you that he had a bad game. I don't know. I want to be clear about that. But if he was being left to cover uh, Fuller and Hopkins and Kuti a handful of times – in, in man coverages, he was losing. And if he was just the guy cleaning up someone else's mess, that is definitely on the table. But I, I don't know. Also, Mick Schaefer just tweeted, by the way, the defensive holding of uh, Kelsey absolutely took place before Mahomes threw the ball. I have video equipment. So I'm going to take his word for that. Also, the thing that, he, that Mahomes said about the fact that he was actually throwing to Kelsey on that play, mm-hmm. but he was just, you know, um, wrestled to the ground before that happened. It was really interesting. And also, like, my first thought was, that's not true. But I don't know why he would lie about that in retrospect. They're not going to give him. They're not going to give him that uh, penalty retroactively. So I don't know. I need to look at that again. But that was very, very interesting. If they want to say they took the penalty off the board because it was uncatchable, it was uncatchable <laughs> because Travis Kelsey was tackled to the ground. He got shanked on the other side of the field. When that play was made, I was like, "You got it." I heard the ref's explanation. I'm like, "That's still not right." What was the phrase they used? Like. Almost holding or whatever. Oh boy! Yeah, the almost potentially ho- holding, the potentially, potentially holding, holding because yeah. the ball was in the air. It was in the air because Travis Kelsey was on the ground. Also, I, I mean, I do think that they were oh. wrong. I think they were also wrong while oh, also being uh, wrong in both uh, in both ways. Oh, we need to take a break geez. before Brad uh, has his head explode or maybe just goes on an absolute cursing <laughs> rampage, as Brad is wont to do. Well, I, I know the, everyone knows you personally would the, agree. Who was the uh, the referee in the booth today, the one who gives the explanations? I don't know who. I, was it Sterator? Could it have been? It, was it a Sterator? Was it he a Pereira? Defended, Isn't Pereira on Fox? I don't know. I don't know. But he defended the call, and I was like, what? I don't know. Are you kidding me? I don't know. Oh, He's still part of the ref's union. I don't know if the refs have a union. Brad's going to go do a lap around the, the, the building here on the Missouri Lottery Chiefs postgame show. Play the new $5 Kansas City Chiefs Scratchers game and play it forward with the Missouri Lottery 
play responsibly. Here on the Missouri Lottery, Chiefs post game show. Whenever we come back, I'm Josh Briscoe, that's Brad Porter, by the way. Whenever we come back, we'll hear from Tyree Kill and some others. Plus, take a few more calls all right here on Sports Radio 810. The Chiefs post game show is brought to you by Missouri Lottery. Every ticket you play gives back to schools across Missouri. So play it forward with the Missouri Lottery. Hyde is the running back to the left of Deshaun Watson. Takes the snap. Fakes it to Hyde. They want to run an RPO. Watson will hold it. He is hit and spins for the end zone. Touchdown Texans. And Deshaun Watson using that athletic ability. Really on the field is a touchdown. And Frank Clark was trying to defend it over on the near side as he was trying to shadow him. And then as he decided to run, uh, Watson with that 221-pound body and athleticism able to spin into the end zone at 6.17 to go in the game and giving the Texans a 29-24 lead. And now the Texans will go for two, and this is gigantic. Two receivers left. The tight end fells and Hopkins to the right. Quick pass thrown to Fells. He's got it for two points. And it's a seven-point advantage for the Houston Texans. That's going to be our player of the game. Deshaun Watson is absolutely it. Oh, I've never heard this uh, this uh, music this long to get into the little like tempo change. That's funky fresh. Anyway, that is our uh, our our player of the game, our famous among friends, Chiefs player of the game for the Texans. This football season, keep it crisp with Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of your Kansas City Chiefs, and bringing you the player of the game today, which must be Deshaun Watson. Don't tell me it's Carlos Hyde. Tore the Chiefs apart, and I was talking about the the little short, quick zip passes that he was getting, yep. uh, which I would not have predicted Fells and Atkins to both have pretty damn good days. No. And I keep wanting to call him Norman Fells, the former... Norman Fell was an actor a long time ago. I, you, I would probably I would probably miss it, for at least for the first couple times you said it. Well, here's here's one of the things that you, you put on paper. The Chiefs not able to get pressure on Deshaun Watson, who was pretty damn good. Yep. The quick throws, the quick hitters, yep. getting it out. And even when he didn't get it out, he was standing back there, like, waiting for the bus to come or whatever. Or running away. Or running away. Curtis Seabolt tweeted out this number or these numbers. Uh, today was the fifth time... In their history, that the Chiefs face at least 80 offensive plays without getting a single sack. Wow, that's the la- wild. The last time was 2017, during that, and that was against the Jets, and that was that horrible stretch of games where the Chiefs lost to the Jets and an awful Bills team, and it was just that season went down in flames at that point. And then before that, it hadn't happened since '98. Wow. So over 80 plays and just couldn't couldn't bring the quarterback down. Um, and that also goes back into the debate of what was more harmful to the Chiefs in terms of what they couldn't stop. Watson on the scramble, he ran the ball successfully today. And most yep. of those not designed run plays, a couple of them were. But then they go through the air for the two-point conversion, for the fourth down conversion at the end of the game. They they go to their playmakers. Um, oftentimes it was Hopkins on a you know really short stuff, but sometimes it was Fells and Atkins and Kuti and Duke Johnson. By, by the way, I heard a question this week asked to the Chiefs defense. Uh, how do you prepare for a mobile quarterback like Deshaun Watson? And then somebody else threw it out at a comparison to Lamar Jackson. No! They are not even close to the same player. No. The the Texans not. offense is completely different than what the Ravens do. And Deshaun Watson is a different runner than Lamar Jackson. They're both good at it. They're different. So the, the Ravens game is not a... 
fair comparison in terms of preparation. We'll go to Deshaun Watson at some point here, but I want to hear from Tyreek Hill. He hasn't spoken to the media in, in quite a long while. His first game back from injury today. Let's hear what Tyreek Hill had to say following the game today out at Arrowhead. A pair of touchdowns, though. Can you take us through both of those? Uh, it's just Pat just trusting me on the first one. The second was just, you know what I'm saying, just Pat creating opportunities and me just finding the open seams in the zone. So, How much does it. that show his unselfish leadership? Because he could have easily ran that in, but instead he wanted to make you look good. It's Pat, I'll end up quarterback, so I think I put a even touchdown. That first one just kind of grabbing in front of two guys, that was pretty, pretty just making, good. Just making a play for my quarterback. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make him look the best. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That's my dog, that's my boy, so if you throw it up, I tell each and every one of the receivers, that's our ball. It don't matter if it's five people around us for it or one, we're going to get the ball. We're going to get the ball. Where do you guys go from here now after this? Um, we just use this as like one of those adversity moments. You know, we just build off this. We just continue to build the right season. We're going to bounce back. We're the Chiefs. That's what we do. We got the MVP quarterback, the best tight end league. We got the best offensive line in the league, in my opinion. So we're just going to keep building up that. What happened in the second half where it kind of slowed down a little bit of offensive? I don't know. You know? I mean, I, I'm just out there running my routes, doing my thing. You know, So that's why I tell my guys, like, control what we can control. What we can control. So that's what we do. Tariq, when did you know you were going to play tonight? Uh, I probably, I've been new for real, though. You know, I mean, I talk to a lot of people. I mean, Rick, um, Coach Reed, so everybody was like involved in the situation. So they asked me how I felt, you know, and I told them, obviously, I'm gonna say I, I want to play because I've been, I, I missed like four weeks, so I played. Did you feel limited at all? Not really. I played. I'm just happy. Like I said, I'm just limited. Act fool. I don't care. As long as I'm out there with, with my brothers, I'm, I don't. It don't matter. Couple more guys. Not only did you play, you did a backflip. How long had you been waiting to do that? Uh, it's just something that I that just popped in my head, you know, trying to add to my celebration. Oh, it's Tyreek Hill. I heard a couple more, and uh, then it ended right there. So I wasn't expecting that to end just then yet. All right, Tyreek Hill makes his return. Yeah, he was excellent at the beginning of the game. Um, and then the offense did really get a little more stuffy, it felt like, as the game went on. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great play call on the first play of the game to just air it out. Yeah. Now, Mahomes' throw was short, mm-hmm. um, and if it would have been dead on, that he's probably going all the way across the field to score, even though it was double coverage. But uh, a little bit, I kind of like that idea right out yeah. of the shoot. Let's just throw him in there. Let's go and and show the the Texans what's coming there. Yeah, and what? and his arm got hit on that throw, and yeah, I mean obviously going to happen, but you knew you knew that that was going to come again later. And I mean, through that first quarter, it felt like this was going to go very, very differently than ultimately did. On on Hill's second touchdown, that was the play where nobody else was open, and Mahomes got rolling, and then mm-hmm. Hill slid through the front of the end zone. Yeah, I I was I was stunned. I did not see a Texas jersey within the same area code. I don't I don't know how yeah. the Texans let that happen. But. I mean, you haven't you have some time to do something, and that yeah. I mean that's kind of the thing that happens with this offense is if you give these receivers a second to to shake their coverage or and I think that case to find a soft spot in the zone you're able to 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 thrive in that kind of backyard football moment of of guys are moving around and Mahomes is rolling out and everything. The Chiefs have just had so few of those moments over these last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so the offense has felt a lot stuffier. Um, I want to hear from Deshaun Watson. We, we got audio from him following the game here uh, out of Arrowhead. Let's hear what the Texans quarterback had to say after the game today. Uh, it's great. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling to be able to deal with all the adversity, um, the up and downs of the, the flows of the game. 
and to be able to keep fighting for 60 minutes. Uh, that's what we did. We never got discouraged. We kept fighting. We kept pushing. We kept encouraging. And uh, that's the biggest part about that, that this locker room. Um, everyone, you know, is always fighting to the end, regardless of what the score is saying. We kind of don't even look at the scoreboard. We, uh, you know, play 60 minutes and we play every play. And then uh, towards the end of the game, that's when we kind of look at the scoreboard and see what's, what's going on. And if we continue to grow from there and continue to, you know, focus on one play at a time and execute at a high level, then uh, whenever we do, you know, focus on that, the score of the game, uh, you know, it'll be where we want it to be. That last fourth down decision instead of the field goal, you just wanted the guy to see you. You always want to go for it. Oh, for sure, because we knew we had a look pre-snap uh, the previous uh, two plays, actually. Um, we kind of knew what they were going to do. Got to have a situation, blitz zero. So, um, you know, it was uh, try to find the best guy, you know, best player. And, and uh, of course, you know, D-Hop was one of those guys. You know, in clutch moments, he, he comes up big. So, um, yeah, we got the look that we wanted and, and capitalized. Sean, you and Patrick will always be connected because of the 2017 draft. This is the first time you guys have faced each other in the regular season. You got the best of them this time. He's always been the perennial MVP caliber candidate. How does how do you, how do you think the message you sent today with how your play was going head to head with him? Um, I mean, honestly, I don't even focus on that. I mean, that's that's the media decision. I just do what I do. I've been winning ever since I came in this league. Uh, I've been doing a lot of different things, uh, and and I just kind of focus on on my craft on this team, Houston Texans, and you know, and I don't really get into you know the MVP stuff. Me and me and Patrick always you know supported each other since college. Um, when I was getting all the hype and and this like that, he would always make sure that you know I was staying you know healthy and, and encouraging me and congratulating me, and I'm doing the same thing with him. So uh, you know, it's always gonna be love. Um, it's not any beef or anything, you know, comparing both of us, you know, we just want to, you know, just want to win. We just want to play football, have fun and, and, uh, you know, be the leaders of our organizations. And um, that's what we focus on. So the MVP stuff, I mean, that's, that's for you guys to talk about. I don't get into it. I just kind of, you know, focus on winning games and, and try to get to where we want to get to. I mean, it's great. Carlos has been a great addition since, since day one. I mean, he's been toting the ball, toting that rock. Uh, just where, you know, Lamar Miller had left off. So uh, he's been doing a heck of a job. And you got Duke, of course, that comes in and, and do the same thing. But uh, it, it was big for Carlos, um, especially this week, this game here. You know, he was with the, the Chiefs this offseason. And uh, they released him, and, and we picked him up. Or I think we traded for him or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it was big for him to come in and, and do what he did and rush over 100 yards and get a touchdown and help us win. Uh, I mean, you just go every week is different. So it's just the Florida game, what the defensive coordinators are trying to do. Uh, and then we had the shots. Uh, we didn't capitalize on, on, on like three or four of them. Uh, we didn't capitalize on them, but you know, we'll watch the film, correct those and, and try to get them this week. But yeah, we're just taking what they was giving us moving the ball downfield, trying to, you know, sustain possessions, keep Patrick off the off the field and, and let our defense get some rest and kinda of do that. How gratifying is it that you can you're you're getting the rhythm that you know you can get into offensive play, especially now the last couple of weeks you guys have moved the ball pretty consistently. What's been the biggest difference in the last two games? Um everyone is bought in. Everyone is bought into what OB and, and Tim Kelly want to do. Um, you know, we all on the same page. We all on the on the offensive side, the skilled guys know exactly what OB and, and Tim wants to want to call in different situations. We communicate about it, we meet on we meet on it and and uh we all make sure we're on the same page before we step on the field. I think that's the biggest thing so we can execute at a high level. So Sean, 
So much has been said about the way you've been sacked this year, but again, no sacks, great little pressure. What does it say about your offensive line? I mean, it's great. I mean, those guys are continuing to improve and continue to grow each and every week. You know, you just kind of keep encouraging them and keep on bringing them along, and, and they're going to do their part. And, uh, you know, they've been doing a hell of a job this year and keeping me up right, and I feel, I've feel i been feeling great the past two weeks, so it's been good. What do you say about this team to win a game like this? It's a tough atmosphere in Arrowhead, even though there were a fair amount of mistakes to correct uh, I mean, we can deal with adversity. We just focus on the next play, the next snap, regardless if it's good or bad. And I mean, that's the main focus. We just kind of keep doing that and keep, you know, looking, you know, towards the next play. And it's always a snap and clear mentality, regardless if it's good or if it's bad. And, and you know, we can deal with the adversity. Going back to the question uh, about getting plays or getting yardage in, in shorter chunks, I mean, it kind of seemed like you followed the recipe that the, the, the Colts used to beat the Chiefs, that the Patriots used in the AFC Championship game, which is controlled clock. Just talk about being able to control the possession and um, keep their defense on the field. Uh, just get positive yards. If you get positive, if you get three and a half yards every, you know, the first three downs, three and a half yards equals the 10 and a half yards. So the chains keep moving. So that's the main focus. We don't need the big chunk plays, sustain drives, keep that explosive offense off the field, um, and keep our defense on the sideline getting rest. And sooner or later, you can try to have opportunity to get in the end zone. And uh, we got to capitalize once you get in those red zone situations. And that's the mindset. So get three and a half yards every snap. And by fourth down, it's the first down. That is Deshaun Watson, and that is the start of our Locker Room Report here on Sports Radio 8. And the Locker Room Report is brought to you by Continental Siding. Whether it's football or home improvement projects, you want to be part of a winning team, and you can do that at Continental Siding Supply. Continental Siding Supply, giving lifetime warranties on siding and windows for 34 years. See for yourself at smartsiding.com. Uh, a few interesting things in there. We'll take a bunch of calls here in just a second. But uh, a few interesting things in there with, from Deshaun Watson and talking about the uh, the way that they, they went out for the Chiefs today. I, I don't really think that it was necessarily all that similar to what the Colts were doing. The Colts no. didn't have any interest in throwing nope. the football. Nope. Um, the Texans did, and they threw the ball with great success, and they did need the the chunk plays. They they didn't actually win that game three and a half yards at a time. They, they needed to come through in plays like down in the red zone, like on fourth and three, like on third down conversions. So, I mean, they were. I, I imagine that the metrics will ultimately show they were relatively successful um, on first and second down. But they, they put themselves in some pretty good positions. But I would, I would separate that a little bit, at least from the way that the Colts did it last week. Yeah, he pointed out too on the last drive uh, in which they were trying to eat up the clock, uh, the final pass to DeAndre Hopkins. They had an idea of the look the Chiefs were going to give him, and when they lined up, they got the exact look they wanted. Now, look, DeAndre Hopkins had to go down to the ground and put his put his hands under it to keep it from hitting the ground, mm-hmm. but they got the look they wanted. They knew what they, they knew what to expect, and they got the look they wanted. Uh, the other thing he said, which just kind of struck me as funny, talking about Was Pat- it that Mahomes has been a, a perennial MVP candidate for all of one season? Uh, that was a bad question. That's what perennial means, right? Yeah. Sorry, you were saying something else. That's what after, I thought was funny. one full season of league I, Listen, it made that's- me smile, and I needed a smile. Okay. Yeah, some questions are... You're saying something else, though, about a well, different yes, thing that I it guessed just, wrong. It struck me as funny at the time. The other thing that struck me as funny at the time, aside from that dumb question, was uh, <laughs> when Deshaun Watson was asked about Patrick Mahomes, he said, oh, yeah, we've gotten along for a while. I'll send him a message. He'll send me a message. We encourage each other. I mean, there's no beef between us. And I got to thinking, if there was a beef between Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, it would be the nicest beef in the history of professional sports. 100%. That's absolutely I, true. 
I don't like the show, Watson. Oh, no. The, the, the Patrick Mahomes impression has made its way out. That's no good. That's Brad Porter, just so everyone knows. I'm Josh Briscoe. And it's Briscoe. an awful impersonation. That awful impression is brought to you by Brad. Let's go to the phones. I'd give the phone number out, but these people have been on hold for a while, so we're going to work through all these first. Let's go to Chris. What's up, Chris? Hey, how are you? I, I respect both of you, but I think you guys are missing the bigger conversation, which is Brett Beach. We have Patrick Mahomes under a historically high value, which is Mahomes in a rookie contract. If Beach can't surround himself with talent with a rookie contract, what makes you think he's going to do it with $25 million a year? I, it, in uh, fairness to ourselves, I, I don't know what I was going to say in fairness. Uh, we mentioned that earlier. Like That did come up at a point where we, you look at the contracts that were given out, especially across this defense. I do think there's a totally fair discussion about Brett Veach. I don't know if it can if it's applicable to the offensive line because Eric Fisher getting hurt. I don't know. Although that Cam Irving contract um, is decent in size, and I don't love that either. And it's absolutely true. This came up for me yesterday on 810 and over the week a little bit, looking at specifically the fact that this is this is theoretically, to your point, Chris, the easiest that Brett Veach will have it in terms of managing a salary cap because this is the cheapest Patrick Mahomes gets. Hey, what, one thing, and I, uh, this is going to sound argumentative, and I don't mean it to be, but so much of Veach's reputation was based on some stories that were leaked six games into Patrick Mahomes' career right. about how Brett Veach was really responsible for drafting, mm-hmm. even though he was like third in line, mm-hmm. and Ballard left and Dorsey left. Would that same story with the same quotes have come out if Ballard or Dorsey was the GM? I don't think so. Probably not. Um, and I actually think that might have come up on the on Sports Saturday yesterday because uh, uh, Ryan Scott Hall had a very similar viewpoint on that. Yeah, no, I mean I think that was like that was a a nice little PR bump for for Brett Veach taking the uh, the reins of the Chiefs. It's, I I think those are those are well made points, Chris, that are coming from a, an accurate place. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Yeah, I mean I think that's fair. You say, yeah. Brad? There was years ago when Tom Brady finally became Tom Brady. That legendary story. I don't know if it's urban legend. Uh, but it kind of gotten out there that the old man on the uh, scouting staff, I don't remember what his name was. He might still be with the Patriots, but during that draft, he kept pushing Tom Brady, Tom Brady. And finally, in the sixth round, the legend is that he jumped up on the table and threatened to quit if they didn't draft Tom Brady. And so that person yeah. is now for that story to get out, Bill Belichick would have to sign off on it. Right. Of right. Course, it was true. an older guy who wasn't going to be a GM and he was no threat. Right. And I did want to mention also, just to follow up on that point, he mm-hmm. was talking about this. Is, you guys have both said this will be the easiest time for Brett Veach to put, a get, put together a roster because mm-hmm. of Mahomes' contract mm-hmm. uh, when it comes up. Uh, caller said when it gets to $25 million, it ain't going to be $25 million. No. It's going to be 30 to 35 to $40 million. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it might be mm-hmm. at 25 for the first couple of years because they have a little Signing bit of leverage. And, yeah. I use the word leverage very loosely here. Yeah. But, yeah, they have, they have math, essentially. Um, let's go back to the phone. Let's go to Leland. What's up, Leland? Hey, how are you guys doing today? Not too bad, all things considered. Well, I called you guys last week and asked to be objective. Did you guys think this looked like a football team? And I didn't get to answer get to answer your answer because you went to the locker room, but you guys said something like, uh, what does a Super Bowl team look like? The, the mm-hmm. Patriots have bad losses during the year. They got blew out by Detroit last year. There's no Chiefs fan who compared the Chiefs organization and Bill Belichick and Andy Reid. Bill Belichick has a history of grooming his team and ending up in championship games in a Super Bowl. Uh, Andy Reid and Chiefs organization has no such history. So saying that what that this team, what does a uh, what does a, a Super Bowl team look like, and then comparing the Chiefs to New England, I think that's kind of ridiculous for a Chiefs fan to 
to say something like that. So I think you guys think about that again and again try to answer, does this look like a Super Bowl team to you? Uh, I appreciate the call, Leland. I, listen, if you're going to look at it long term, no, of course, Bill Belichick has a much better history of creating Super Bowl teams than Andy Reid does. That is like super duper obvious. And I would say if you wanted to look at these individual teams, look at the 2018 Patriots or 2019 Patriots or 2018 Chiefs and 2019 Chiefs, if if you get to exist in a world where this team is anywhere near healthy, where Eric Fisher is playing left tackle and Chris Jones is in the middle of this defense and, and Patrick Mahomes isn't limping around in the backfield, yes. Yes, I do. Because you saw a quarter of it. You saw a quarter of it today, and then it, things started falling apart. This team has holes in it. That's absolutely true. But again, you saw that happening last year with the Patriots. Like, I don't, I don't actually think that that comparison is... is missing much, if anything, to, to say that you can find missteps in the regular season. At the very least, what I would argue is that you I can't answer that question in week four, five, six, seven, eight, because this isn't the full evolution of the team. The Patriots weren't there last year. At this point, the Patriots have played nothing but garbage fire teams. So let me see the Patriots play a better team along the line at some point, and I'll tell you. My hunch is that they're going to be a Super Bowl team, because they usually are. If you want to have the, the hunch that the Chiefs probably aren't because they haven't been, that's fine. But the only time we've seen this iteration of the Chiefs with Reed and Mahomes in the playoffs, they were in the AFC Championship game, losing to the team that, that has more pedigree there. That doesn't disqualify them from that larger conversation. They were the D Ford offsides, the, the coin toss and overtime, whatever you want to say there. They were that far away from being there last year. And I don't think this team is worse. I'm not sure if this team is significantly better, but I think to say this is worse is to be very forgetful of where we were at at this point last season. Did the Patriots look like a Super Bowl team when they barely beat the Bills 16-10 to 10 a couple of weeks ago? Probably no, not. No, but I mean, if you're talking about, and, and Leland, I, I like Leland when he calls, if you're talking about today, does the team today look like a Super Bowl team? No, but you're starting, you're starting um, Rankin at left guard, who yes. just got here like a minute ago. Mm -hmm. You're starting Cam Irving at left tackle. Mm -hmm. You're starting uh, two different players in the middle of that defensive line. You're down your second string wide receiver. Your quarterback doesn't look 100% healthy. In fact, I can tell he's not 100% healthy. Right. So no, today, as the roster was rolled out today, no. But they have they have time to get there. And if the and if the roster does look like this in January, then we have a different conversation on our hands. I just don't I don't really know how we have it better than we had it last week or than we have it now in this moment. This this week. This this is a team that has a, a poor performing defense that is uh, at this point, if Chris Jones is out there, which, again, there's some ifs in there. That's fine. If Chris Jones is out there, um, this defense is better than it was last year by degrees. Not by leaps and bounds, but by degrees. You have you have Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill at safety instead of Dan Sorensen and Jordan Lucas or a, a limping Eric Berry, whatever, any of those uh, options. The cornerback group is very, very similar to what it was last year. You're essentially replacing Steven Nelson with Bashad Breland. And Mo Claiborne actually adds some depth they didn't really have at that spot last year. The linebacker group is very, very similar. Anthony Hitchens is out right now, but Damian Wilson is like he would have also started on this. He would have been a big contributor on this team last year. 
you can look at the pass rush, I suppose, and, and, and try to have that conversation about Justin Houston, D. Ford, all that. And you can also say they should not have spent that money on, on Frank Clark. They should have signed, they should have kept Justin Houston, signed somebody in the offseason, and then drafted a corner in the first round. And I wouldn't have any beef with that. I wouldn't be here to, to, to have a knockdown, drag out fight over that. There, there are different things that you can evaluate there. But yeah, man, like somebody on Twitter saying, oh, the Chiefs, the Chiefs need a guy like Frank Reich. That team lost to the Raiders two weeks ago. You can look at the the Texans and and look at their results over the season. I think that I think that there there can be a bit of a disease of paying too close attention specifically to your team because you lose the greater context. And if your only counterpoint is the Patriots, you have to acknowledge that that team in some in some ways has been existing as a spaceship and not on the same planet. But also last year they were on the same planet and they they took some L's. They took five on the road. Chiefs have lost two home games. I'm not saying this isn't something to be worried about or this isn't bad. Yeah, no, it is. There are worrisome things here, and and this is a this is this is bad timing. Although in the grand scheme of things, it would be worse later in the season, I suppose. I just if if you say that the Patriots are the only Super Bowl team in the sport, fine, okay, that's fine. I'm expanding that category larger than that. And frankly, again, I don't know if I've seen enough from the Patriots this season specifically to tell you, oh yeah, that team's definitely perfect. I think it's a little bit short-sighted. Uh, we desperately need to take a break on the uh, Missouri Lottery Chiefs postgame show here on Sports Radio 810. I'm Josh Briscoe alongside Brad Porter. We'll take some more calls, hear some more audio whenever we come back here on Sports Radio 810. The Chiefs postgame show is brought to you by Missouri Lottery. Every ticket you play gives back to schools across Missouri. So play it forward with the Missouri Lottery. Three by two, three left, two to the right. Now they're going to snap it on fourth down. They throw it, and it's caught by DeAndre Hopkins, and that'll end the game. What a gutsy play call by the Texans. Instead of running out the cl- or kicking a field goal going up nine, tells me they didn't trust Fairbairn. And it's a gain of eight yards, and the Chiefs cannot stop the clock, and the Chiefs are going to lose two consecutive home games and lose this one after leading 17-3 to at the end of the first quarter. We'll count that as our play of the game brought to you by Central Bank of the Midwest. Take a new look at what's possible with Central Bank of the Midwest. Visit centralbank.net. We'll hear from uh, Tyron Matthew here momentarily. He's also already taken to Twitter, so I imagine he had some things to say following the loss. But two callers have been waiting on hold here for an extremely long time. So we will go ahead and go to Jim. What's up, Jim? Thanks for waiting. Hey, uh, I'd like to comment on the root of some of the the main of Chiefs problems. I feel like it's been coming since Brett Beach has been our GM. Uh, some a lot of his moves in this last off season apparently have hurt us extremely. To me, uh, you don't think our defense has gotten any worse from last year, but I believe the exact opposite. I think it's the only thing we were good at last year was pass rush, <clears throat> and this year we're not even good at that, and we're still just as bad at tackling the run game we probably got a little better at the pass coverage but we're still bad at that so our defense was bad at everything this year and knowing that letting chris Connolly hurt us after the tyreek hill and watkins injury we have our other receivers only good at going deep we didn't have anyone doing good intermediate routes to get first downs today Connolly was always good at getting first downs um his linebacker Corey's brought in is average at best I mean, we got rid of a pro bowler linebackers, D. Ford and Justin Houston. And Frank Clark, I mean, what was that guy, the fourth, fifth best defender on Seattle Seahawks defense? 
which was a top tier defense. I mean, he has a problem with his tackling. That missed tackle on Leonard Fournette at the beginning of the season was sad. He didn't even try to put a shoulder into somebody when he's tackling him. He looks like he doesn't have proper fundamentals when it comes to tackling. He's not worth $100 million, and he's maybe worth trading like one pick for a second or a third round, not a first and second round. Brett Beach undervalues draft picks. Uh, it's probably one of the most important things in the game this year with rookie contracts that helps you balance out your salary cap. Knowing that a handful of the best players in the league are rookies. You look at Saquon Barkley, Patrick Mahomes, those linebackers for the Cowboys, they're still on rookie contracts, and they're some of the best in the league. I mean, every I just feel like every decision he makes, he goes in the wrong direction. Uh, I'm just going to listen off there and see what you guys think. Thanks. Appreciate the call, Jim. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Brett Veach conversation happening today is a little bit interesting to me, but I don't think it's necessarily off base. Um, by the way, this doesn't account for, for this game yet, but last year the Chiefs were 24th in the league in terms of points allowed, and, and this year they're 14th before the, the game today. And There are lots of metrics you can use there, but they've been better this season. I, I will say that um, the, sec- the, the safeties are definitely better. I mean, I went through all this last segment, and I know that everyone heard that already. Um, but in terms of, like, you know, draft picks. Again, draft picks matter because you do get those rookie contracts. I'm not here to argue that at all. But it is kind of funny to me how often say, oh, well, draft picks really matter, and let's talk about, you know, Saquon Barkley and Pat Mahomes. and I mean, like, like the Cowboys linebackers, that's a, a good call. But, I mean, they they trade up for Breland Speaks or and everyone hates him and they draft Colin Saunders and no one's had anything good to say about him for two weeks and they they draft one Thornhill and somebody earlier said he's been nothing you know nothing special whatever like whenever they do use the picks you can you can make this an indictment on Brett Veach and that's within the the realm of possibility but draft picks are hard that's the thing but but again it if you are going to spend the kind of money on a guy like Frank Clark you can't get that wrong Draft picks are difficult to get right and to get consistently, and I don't have a problem with trading them away, but you're trading them away and also paying more money for theoretically a sure thing, which puts even more pressure on those decisions than it would be for an end-of-the-first-round draft pick. That's what I would argue there. And I I would also like to—I doubt the Chiefs are going to give you anything on this, but I would be interested to see the area scouts and what they're coming to Brett Veach with and let's just use Colin Saunders as an example because he has not been good the last couple of weeks. He's a rookie. He was a late round. He, I mean, yeah, he wasn't really so, supposed to be playing yet. So I, but yeah. what I would like to know is if the area scout for the Midwest, because he's a Western Illinois guy, if the scout for the Midwest comes in and says, I love this Colin Saunders kid, let's keep him on the list. Here's the tape. Brett Veach looks at it. You're right. Colin Saunders. Let's go get him. Let's If he's there in the fifth, sixth round, uh, let's pick him up. So I, I'd be wondering what the dynamic is between the – the scouting staff and the pro personnel staff and Brett Veach. If, mm-hmm. he's, if he's being easily sold on players that maybe don't quite measure up to the Chiefs and their Super Bowl expectations? And I, I think Question mark? Yeah, and I think that there's the, you can look at it that way, and you could also look at, again, some of like the he's big gotta decisions. Sign off on it. For sure. And, and you can look at some of the big decisions like. Like like cutting Justin Houston for cap space, which I was never an enormous fan of. You can go check the tape on that one. You know, like I I always wondered if that was going to be worth the moving of of the cap space and everything, and the creation of a, a handful of you know what twelve million dollars, something like that. It's real money that can be allocated elsewhere, but I I think some criticism there is is warranted. Let's go to Paul. What's up, Paul? You're on the post game show. 
Hey, guys. Uh, just a couple of points. Uh, strategically looking long-term, uh, the reason I think this loss was a, a, a de- devastating might be over the top, but that's two AFC conference losses we have, both to the South, which uh, were 4-2. I think right now our playoff season starts effective immediately. If you look at the, the landscape going into our schedule, we've still got uh, New England on the road, Green Bay on the, on the, at home, uh, Chicago. We've got to go 6-4 and four just to get 10 wins. Um, I feel a sense of urgency here in Kansas City. I don't know if everybody else does, but I, I would uh, believe that uh, with our schedule, remaining schedule, we still got our division. And our division's looking up uh, pretty tough. And then the other point I want to make, guys, is running the football. Uh, do you feel a sense that the league is transitioning back to rushing the football and teams like Seattle um, are being successful by running the running the football now and uh, taking the pressure off the defense? It just seems to me that running the football is back in vogue again. Um, so uh, see what you guys think about that. Strategically, I think the playoffs start today, and I think uh, running the football, we only got 241 yards from McCoy all season. I, I don't think that's going to do it in this league um, as we move forward. I appreciate the call, Paul. Um, sorry, I think I interrupted you at the end there. Um, I I think a little bit of a sense of urgency is probably for the best. They got a game in four days on the road against the Broncos. I'm I will make jokes about the Broncos all week, but if if you try to create the worst case scenario um, for a game against the Broncos, it's in Denver on four days rest maybe after a couple of losses, banged up by injuries. Like, that game's not the lock that it would be if that was, you know, I would say if that was an arrowhead, but there's not two games in arrowhead, so I don't know. But on a fuller week, I would say that you'd be better off there. And again, then the Packers and the Vikings, those are legitimately good teams. Again, on back-to-back weeks, both an arrowhead. The rest of the division, you, you eventually get the, the Patriots game and you get the Broncos at home and you go to Chicago. I'm not worried about the Chiefs not winning the AFC West. This doesn't change that for me. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to lose to Oakland the second time through, which means they're going to have the tiebreaker, and I don't think the Raiders are ending with 10 wins. I don't think the Chiefs are winning with only 10 wins. I, I think that's a little bit of an overreaction after two admittedly poor weeks. And, and then to the question about like is, is running the ball coming back into vogue, n- no. Um, no, it's not. I would say that your your arguments would be probably Kyle Shanahan and the way that he's doing it in San Francisco. The Seahawks have been running their offense through the ground, uh, literally, um, for a while now, and, and that's been kind of the, um, the MO for that offense specifically, but you still see Russell Wilson as the dude who ends up winning you football games. Um, I wouldn't mind if they relied on him a little bit more. What's up, Beards? Or are there more high-profile running backs in bigger markets? I mean, so Barkley, who's been hurt, and again, they've ran the ball decently Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys, who are good. Right, and they paid him a bunch of money. I would say that you're you're seeing teams hand the ball off whenever they don't have much faith in their running back, or much faith in their quarterback, with the Seahawks being certainly the exception. Um, Marlon Mack isn't going to win you a Super Bowl. Uh, Carlos Hyde is not going to win you a Super Bowl. So, no, I, I really, I mean, just to be honest, like I really don't think that that's happening much at all. I, I think... What teams are seeing in the Chiefs is a team that they can begin to challenge the math on in terms of like, oh, this is one of the teams where maybe running the ball in 2019 can still be successful. Whenever you still look at, at metrics like expected points added and everything, it's still not. I'll be very interested to see how this game pans out, but you saw in the big moments it was throwing the football that had these conversions, and it was trusting the quarterback that allows you to keep the ball moving. And I, I really don't think that, that plotting three or four yards at a time is going to keep up, frankly, with offenses like the Chiefs 
you can say, wait, they just lost two games to two teams that were doing three, four yards a carry. No, I understand. But with teams that are, are performing with what the Chiefs are doing, specifically with the Chiefs, when they're doing that at even closer to full health. By the way, you listed running backs there, and uh, I think you, I think you forgot the fifty-seven-year-old uh, Frank Gore. <laughs> right. Still, but what right. what I thought about was you can set to... a floor with a running game, but I don't think your <laughs> yeah. ceiling can raise much by it. Still, okay. Is the run game coming back into vogue in the National Football League? It depends from week to week. If you're playing against the Chiefs, then yes. Right. But look at the last two opponents. Look at the Colts. What do they have that's perhaps the best in the National Football League? Oh, their offensive line. Their offensive stand. line. Yeah, they Houston, put a lot into that. Houston for. The entirety of Deshaun Watson's time now in year three has been poor. This year they upgraded it, mm-hmm. and then they made a trade. Everybody thought, even I chuckled a little bit when they traded to um, uh, Miami and got Tunsil. Right, that was still too much, and I it, it was still too much. Yeah. But you watched him play today; it's pretty damn good. If that's, yeah. I mean, if that's what you want to do, he's an earth mover, by the way. Right, he's gigantic. No, he's excellent. He's an excellent player. They just gave up quarterback like yes. assets for him, yes. which I think was silly. Yeah. Um, and also, I think it's funny the way that. Um, I'm I'm hearing now in my head like why don't the Chiefs make a move for an offensive lineman because they made a move for Frank Clark and you're all pissed about it like everyone's furious like but, by the way I love all the the talk during the game today about trades with the Texans and who went where and keep in mind the Texans don't have a general manager this is true they fired him before the season this, and they've got an yep. interim dude no that won't collapse at all There's no no chance it's that's a going really to. good idea to not have a general manager no chance it's going to implode on itself at all. Uh, we should uh, take another break here on the Missouri Lottery Chiefs postgame show. You can go play the new $5 Kansas City Chiefs scratchers ticket from the Missouri Lottery and win up to $600 cash instantly. Play it forward and play it responsibly with the Missouri Lottery here on the Missouri Lottery Chiefs postgame show. I'm Josh Briscoe with Brad Porter. We'll get some more audio, take some more calls, and uh, keep updating you with whatever it is that comes down the line as we continue to react and try to dissect what happens. The Chiefs lost to the Texans at home today out at Arrowhead. The Chiefs postgame show is brought to you by Missouri Lottery. Every ticket you play gives back to schools across Missouri. So play it forward with the Missouri Lottery. So Damian Williams at left halfback, shifting right to left. Mahomes right hash, leading 17-9, retreating into the pocket. Mahomes, corner pattern, all kinds of folks there, and it's intercepted in the end zone by Tashawn Gibson. The first interception, but a flag thrown in the Texan secondary hang on. So that was Patrick Mahomes' first interception of the year, and it only got uglier after that. Which is why it is our ugly play of the game, brought to you by We Buy Ugly Houses. If you're in an ugly house and it's an ugly situation, call the Ugly House guys today at 1-800-44-BUYER or go to webuyuglyhouses.com. Fix that ugly situation and turn it into cash. If they could do that with any measure of uh, the Chiefs, at this point, I'd be thrilled. Beards, can you please call 1-800-44-BUYER and ask them about the Chiefs offensive line? I'll see what I can do. Could we turn that into cash? Josh Briscoe, Brad Porter here with you on the Missouri Lottery Chiefs postgame show. Uh, we've got a handful of things we can still get to for the next however long. I need to give you a scoreboard update and look around the league a little bit because there are some interesting things happening right now. Um, but uh, I don't. I we, we have audio. We have calls. Brad's taking it. We'll take. We'll go to calls. I was gonna. I was like, Brad, what should we do here at this point? Oh, oh, oh. Beards, you have a text message from the text line. I do. 913-912-4810. Uh, we can, you can text us there, and Beards will sift through those. Uh, my six-year-old is flat-footed, has never been accused of being quick or fast, and plays in the flag football league where they can't rush the quarterback. He somehow fell into two sacks. Frank Clark has one. 
my son's season ended yesterday. Please tell me for, uh, Clark eventually passes my son. Love your work. Thank you, Texture. He will eventually. Frank Clark will eventually prove that he's a better football player than your son. Your flat-footed, slow kid. Six-year-old. Um, it's close, though. It Again, here's the, the place where I'm at right now is I think we've got plenty of evidence that uh, Frank Clark is a good football player. I think we have no evidence that he, in Kansas City, is a game-changing football player, and he was brought in with higher expectations than that. I think he would he would copy that. I also actually had a tweet that I wanted to read that like this person isn't this isn't a ridiculous thing in a vacuum, but I I personally found this unendingly hilarious. Somebody tweeted at the uh, eight ten Twitter account: Why on earth does Neiman play more than Ragland? The reason this is hilarious to me is because I'm pretty sure that I could find twenty five. Why on earth does Ragland play more than Neiman tweets from about a year ago? A year ago. 360-ish days ago, Reggie Ragland was was the the absolute bane of Chiefs fans' existence. And Ben Neiman was going to be the savior of the linebackers. And now you're just seeing what I think we see a lot for a lot of teams across the league in a lot of positions. Some guys... Are just guys. Reggie Ragland had a really nice play today. Ben Neiman had a couple of not so nice plays today. Anthony Hitchens was hurt, and the linebacker group looked um, very bad. It had also looked pretty poor with Anthony Hitchens in there. This isn't a very satisfying answer, and they can't trade all of their picks for established players, and they tried to do that, and people have been very angry about Frank Clark's performance. But that's just kind of the truth of the matter. It's why the way that you overcome stuff like that is by having a generational quarterback, and the Chiefs do have that, but they can't keep him upright at the moment. Um, and frankly, I think that's all going to change whenever uh, Eric Fisher comes back. That's my optimism, at least. You can even kick Cam Irving into guard whenever Fisher comes back, and that probably improves things a, a good measure. I kind of thought before the game when I saw the tweets from uh, you know Nate Taylor and uh, Matt Derrick and all the guys covering the Chiefs at 810 as well, um, the, the pregame warm-ups mentioning that uh, Rankin was at left guard and Irving was at left tackle and a lot of responses, including uh, Nick Jacobs from 41 Action News, the responses were they should actually switch positions. Right. Yeah, I mean, Rankin was brought in. He's He's been here for uh, for a little while. They, they brought in Wisniewski, you know, like four days ago, and he didn't end up playing today. Um, but they, they brought in Rankin from the Texans a little earlier this season. Um, he's a young guy. Wisniewski's a vet. And it wouldn't stun me to see that change. I don't know that Rankin was terrible. I know that he didn't recover the fumble. And I know the left side of that offensive line had trouble all day, so I can't speak to him too specifically there. But, yeah, I mean, Cam Irving has, has had some success at guard. He's still there at left tackle. They have Rankin. Um, and um, there's one other lineman who at this point is so – we're so deep into the – into the muck of Chiefs offensive line talk. They brought they have another semi veteran. I'm gonna find that eventually. They never another semi veteran um tackle type. I'll figure out his name while we take another call. Let's go to Fred. What's up, Fred? Hey, what's going on, fellas? I'm just you know, what cracks me up about this team right now is I'm watching it through two weeks or excuse me, through the last uh, two losses and just overall this season is we were told that this defense was going to get retooled under Steve Spagnuolo. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why you got rid of the guys you got rid of. And that's why you brought in Frank Clark. And that's why you basically hemorrhaged uh, two draft picks to get Frank Clark. Mm -hmm. You overpaid for Teron Matthew, who, you know, if you're into flexing uh, after making plays 12 yards down the field, then he's great. But he's done less than anything else I've seen for a guy that's making $14 million a year. But he allegedly fits Spagnuolo's system. So, I'm just, you know, the thing of it is, is that, you know, you thought the defense couldn't get any worse under Bob's after Bob Sutton, and lo and behold, here comes Steve Spagnolo, who has not only made this defense worse, but from what I've seen over the last two weeks, yeah, let's, I mean, we can say what we want to say about the, about the offense, but I just, with this defense, I don't know, you can throw Chris Jones in there, but... The linebackers still can't tackle, and when you've got a secondary that does more holding than your offensive line does, and yet that's supposed to be your D coordinator's strong suit is the, allegedly the secondary, how's this defense supposed to get better? And that, that, that's my biggest question moving forward for this football team. I appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Fred. Thanks for leaving us with an actual specific question. I appreciate it. I have no idea how to answer it. <laughs> uh, first, Greg Sinat is the other lineman on this roster who I literally forgot existed for a second. Um I will. I, I'm nitpicking. I don't have a problem with the Tyron Matthew contract. It's structured pretty well. I think he's he was uh, a welcome addition in my book because that safety position was an absolute black hole, void, nightmare, awful. So they they sign Matthew and draft one Thornhill, which means that the value of that secondary will be good for a while. Um, how does it get better from here, though? I, I do think there's reason to believe in a, in a potential continued growth of Charvarius Ward. I really do, and I'm not just saying that because he had the pick today where he did like find the ball in the air, which is a legit big step for him. He was getting like, some like one-on-one work uh, whenever I got to watch my 10 minutes of practice or whatever on Wednesday, I think. Um, I, I do think there's a reason to think that he can actually develop. I don't know if there's anything there on Bashad Breland or Kendall Fuller. Breland wasn't having those holding problems nearly as much in, until these last two weeks, so I'm not sure if that's going to be a long-term issue with him or if that's been two bad games. I, I'm, I find it a little early to make that ruling because he was legitimately the best corner on this team uh, through those first four victories. Mo Claiborne's, uh, you know, he's getting back into the flow of playing NFL football games. That's all of that. The defense gets better when Chris Jones gets back, which again, Collar mentioned. But it gets better whenever Chris Jones comes back. And outside of that, I don't know. Like You can look at incremental improvements for Derek Naughty, Colin Saunders, Emmanuel Agba, Tano Passigno. Alex Okafor is Alex Okafor at this point. And Frank Clark is Frank Clark. I don't think he's going to get better. I think he needs to get to uh, you know performing at his best level, whatever that looks like. I will also say that there have been schemed moments with Spagnolo that I've gone, oh, thank God, that I don't feel like I ever did with Bob Sutton. And maybe, maybe I'm being too hopeful there. But there have been times like, oh, here's the blitz. And it got there. Excellent. And there have been places where things have faltered. The linebacker coverage today was really bad. The linebackers in run coverage, you know, stopping the run, have been really bad. I would love to be able to say, hey, it's better whenever Anthony Hitchens is out there because that's the big money guy that's supposed to fix all of the problems that the linebackers have. But he hasn't done that, and we all know that. Over a season and then even these, these few games, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not ready to answer strongly how this defense gets better. Brad, will you solve it for me, please? Uh, yeah, I've got all the solutions Thank right you. over here. So I'll be leaving right after this and going into one hour head drive and Perfect. taking my new office in the corner. <laughs> so they'll have my guys. Defensive consultant. Have my legal pads and my number two Ticonderogas ready. I go to work. I'm really happy for you. Go to work. Remember me. So a couple of things, uh, Josh. You brought this up earlier in the show, and to me, I've always been bothered about the yards the team gives up this many yards so many mm-hmm. yards whether it's running uh, rushing, rushing the ball or uh, receiving the ball you mentioned it earlier in the show though where do the Chiefs rank in points allowed points per game about this year 14? not counting this week it hasn't accounted for all okay. today's games but it was 14th in points uh, points allowed at 22.6 per game so that will go up obviously but it's better this year by 10 spots than it was at the end of the things last year 26.3 points per game so you can go rankings there or you can go points per game. Again, today will make it very close to what it was last year, though. So the narrative coming into the season, ah, if this defense can just get to middle of the pack. Yeah. Well, they're middle in the pack in terms of points allowed. Right. That's not fantastic. No. But it's not as bad. Now, the yards are awful. They're rushing, what, 30 in the NFL, 30th in the NFL, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, that's awful. But the points per game is way down. Yes. It's much better. And a couple of other things. He mentioned Steve Spagnuolo was going to come in and solve all the problems. On occasion this year, you mentioned the blitzes. I I, I like the NASCAR package that mm-hmm. they've run. Only Passenger was in, was in the middle of that defensive yes. line on a run on a run play earlier yes. today. They've done that a handful of times. They didn't mm-hmm. do it much today. In fact, I don't know if they did a complete NASCAR package at all today. But in the past, they've done uh, Tyron Matthew on the safety blitz. They've done Juan Thornhill on the safety blitz. They've done Kendall Fuller on a on a corner blitz. Mm-hmm. I like that. But when you look at the way the game was unfolding today, uh, and and all the under, underneath stuff, and you've got Andre Hopkins, you've got uh, Ward, you've got uh, Fells, you've got Atkins just relentlessly catching balls, whether it was uh, six yards, seven yards, eight yards at a time. I I don't know if there was a situation in which you could have called or dialed up the NASCAR package blitz. At least not today. Let's go back to the phones because Tony's been on the line for a while. What's up, Tony? Hello? Yeah, how's it going? Uh, It's going good. I just want to know if you commented yet on uh, Juan Thornhill's interception. I believe it was the fourth down, wasn't it? And yes, it was. A whole lot of yards. Yep, it ended up costing him about 20 yards of field position, which then obviously gave the Texans about 20 yards of field position after the fumble. Right, and then they fumbled right on the five. I just yep. wanted your thoughts. I'll just hang up and listen. Appreciate it, Tony. Um, yeah, no, it was. It stunk. Like, it's one of those plays where, and maybe, maybe I should, but I don't know if I can be, like, furious at Juan Thornhill for that mental mistake because – I mean, every single moment of your of your professional career, your thing is if you can take the ball right. away, you've done your job. And it didn't end them on the one yard line, but again, it costs them twenty yards. So what I would what I would say is that Thornhill made the wrong football play there, while making a very good football play, by the way. Like mm-hmm. giving him credit still for like saving a touchdown, I'm good with. For breaking that pass up, he deserves the credit for. It would have been better off if he would have knocked that ball into the ground and moved them 20 yards downfield, which even makes it more likely that they're able to score in those 30 seconds or at least set up for a field goal. And also, like there are 20-yard swings on mistakes all the time, and so maybe I'm not going to be like rage-filled about it. But no, he absolutely made the wrong football play there kind of within the making of a very nice play. It's, it's complicated. If you're a safety, if you're a defensive back of any kind, your instinct from the first game you ever played was if the ball is near you, go get it. Yep. And, and in the heat of the moment, uh, you know, the heat of the game, you just it's hard to do that. 
because even before the ball is snapped, are you thinking, are you going over scenarios where, gosh, if Deshaun Watson throws it just a little bit off and I happen to get to it, mm-hmm. but uh, I might have to look down to see if I'm in the end zone. Right. That's I, I just don't think you're mentally going to go through that checklist before that happens. Now, being situationally aware, yes. But, right, that's the thing. Like, I think there's against, a good counter-argument to yes. that of like, yeah, actually, no, yeah, he does need to think about all that. And I would say, okay. Yeah. Okay, maybe he does. But I'm not going to say it was a terrible play. No. a terrible decision. It was a great play. It was, a ter- it was not a good decision. Right. And I don't know, man. Like, And that's not where the game was lost. <laughs> certainly not. And if and if this, but I do think it's fair to, to bring it up because it, did ma- it ultimately mattered? Like mm-hmm. you could you could say in a way that it definitely it gave the the Texans a touchdown. It was it was one of like three or four steps that that gave the Texans that touchdown. Mm-hmm. But it was also a very good play. <laughs> like it's <laughs> yes. just, again, I it it was both a good play and an imperfect play is what I would say. Let's go to Tommy Mo. What's up, Tommy Mo? Save us. Yeah, it's tough to ask a guy that's diving away from his body. Yeah, and with two wide receivers in that area. Oh, just. Tip it down. Well, how about if he tips it down and it hits his knee yep. and bounces up in the air, and their their guys intercept the ball? Yes, and then we'd be the losing. We'd be cutting Juan Thornhill today. <laughs> you know, it's not. Yeah, it's not like it's the uh, end of the game uh, when he knocked the ball down in a on a, a Hail Mary pass yeah. where he was just standing there and he didn't catch it like a punt. He was diving away from the play. So. Yeah. You know, it was just an instinctual play. You know, in that one-tenth of one second, if he could have thought about knocking it down, fine. But I'm just glad what he did. Yeah. And if we'd have blocked at somebody on the line, the fumble may or may not have happened. But I'm sorry, but when a team, did they possess the ball for more than 40 minutes today? Um, it was real close. I'll get you that in a second. I think they did. They were 37 with, with, with the ball in their hands in the last possession. The Chiefs never saw it. So, uh, 39-48. Your point is disqualified. <laughs> yes, it is. I was off by 12 seconds. I apologize, but hey, uh, but you got to like Brad. Anytime you can bring a Norman Fell reference into the there you go. Yes. game, Josh, you have no idea who that is, do you? Not a clue. I was I was glad that Brad sort of skipped over it. Thanks for bringing it back up. Well, here here's yeah, the thing. Three's company. Not only he was, was he... Mr. Furley, am I right? Yes, Mr. Furley on Three's Company. But the better the better uh, project he was involved in all time is the original Ocean's Eleven. He's hanging out with Frank Sinatra. With Dean Martin, with uh, Sammy Davis Jr., and just on and on. Norman Fell is in that movie. He's part of the group. Don't know. Still don't know. There you go, Josh. Little historic uh, (laughs) references for you. There you know. Yeah, I've learned something today. Post game without a Norman Fell reference, but hey. uh, I guess I'm going back to 360 days because Reggie Ragland, to me at least. Seemed big enough to fill a run. And I saw yes. Ben Neiman today, which is disappointing, jogging around on certain plays, on pursuit plays. Mm. And it just kind of like, dude, what are you doing? You're just jogging to the play? And, you know, for a guy that's undrafted, unnoticed, nobody knew about him, and he came in and made a splash during last last year's preseason to come in and get a start to play to start this year, albeit an injury to Anthony Hitchens, I would expect a little bit more enthusiasm, a little more activity on the field and there was just a couple plays they highlighted he's kind of like jogging towards the play or jogging in space like mm-hmm. come on dude you're you're in the nfl let's 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 pick it up a little but hey you know it, it is a hole it's not anthony uh reggie Ragland's not going to come in and we're going to immediately be able to stop the run but it's it's we we only had three possessions in the second half right mm-hmm. correct we scored on the first one mm-hmm. you know and then once again everybody's uh person we don't like you know, DeAnthony Thomas, 
First play when we get the interception, we throw the little swing pass to him out of the backfield. He drops it. Right. Don't know if it was a bad pass, bad catch. It was not a great. You know, it was not a great pass. Yeah, I know. But can we get our little fr- or excuse me, our, our rookie in there on kick returns and or Darwin Thompson? At least hmm. he showed the ability to break a tackle, albeit against guys that are selling car insurance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, know, I had- you know he's dressed out every week, but he doesn't see the field. At least he showed a burst. And a chance, to, you know, to break a tackle or two, yeah. and that, you know, I did see him return maybe a kickoff or two in preseason. You know, when they do the split back, you know, why can't he be the other back? Let, you know, let give him a chance. But you know, he's a rookie. But for whatever reason, DeAnthony Thomas is is the go-to guy. And when we get first and ten, it just seems like we were in rhythm in offense in the first half. Second half, we didn't have the ball. You know, when you yeah. only have three possessions in a total half. And then all the pressure is on Patrick Mahomes. We have to score on this position. We have to score. And it just gets to be like, my God, I mean, we got three positions. We have to score every time we touch the ball because, uh, again, we had a historic another one today. We had the no punt part due today, didn't we? No, no. Colquitt had, like, he had a bomb. No, they didn't punt. I don't care about us punting. Okay. No, they. Someone tweeted me they earlier and punt. asked if I could name the Texans punter, and I don't think they punted. No, I don't think they punted. Yeah, they didn't punt. Watson's fumble, the fumbles and or the interceptions were their turnovers that kind and or missed field goals. So, you know, it's just a shame we can't get a team to punt at home. We have no, we have no, you know. I miss D4 to miss Justin Houston. I'll say it right now. Yeah. We were at least we led the league in sacks or tied in the league mm-hmm. line sacks last year. Did Deshaun Watson's jersey even get dirty today? He celebrated pretty hard, so he could have. Yeah, yeah, it did get dirty in the end zone. The red or the green of the end zone turf when he dove for the touchdown. He did get dirty. I yes, apologize. yes. So, uh, yes, he did get dirty scoring touchdowns. Thanks for nothing, Tommy Mo. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good one. Um, what I will say again, kind of to the to the. Um, Got the ball three times in the second half point. At the very least, please, God, give me this. That is a two-way street. Giving up an eight-and-a-half-minute drive, not ideal. But here's here's what the defense did to start the second half. Four-minute drive that ends in a missed field goal. Chiefs get the ball back, score a touchdown in four-and-a-half minutes. Texans go on a six-and-a-half-minute drive that ends with a Tervarius Ward interception. The defense gave up a touchdown and then um, the the fourth down conversion in the second half. That stinks. But to go three and out and to possess the ball for 15 seconds and then a minute and 15 seconds, the Chiefs' offense outside of that first drive, like you know, their, their last two offensive drives of the game were a total of a minute and a half. The defense getting the ball back to Patrick Mahomes would have been excellent, no question. But because you know, you know at this point you can't trust them to do that on a consistent basis, you can't lay two eggs in two really uh, high-intensity drives like that whenever you're either, um, I mean, you're, when, you're, when you're up by a point and about to give the ball back or whenever you're down by seven and, and know that time is running out. Okay, so here's, I'll go back to Tommy Moe on Ben Neiman, okay? And here's yeah. the thing. So... I lobbied for him last year to make the roster, not to be a starter, but to make the roster. Sure. I thought he's a really solid, well-coached college football player, did some good things in training camp. And since he made the roster last year, he has been a really good special teams player and an adequate backup linebacker. Yeah, but, is but it what adequate happens, dime backer, basically. But it's like, you know, it's your, your starting right fielder goes down and some guy from AAA comes up and has 
four hits in two games. No, oh, this guy's going to be the guy. And then right. he flames out. And uh, So Ben Neiman's not flaming out, but you, you put him in a spot where he's a little bit exposed. He's undersized, and he's not quite as fast as some, uh, some of the other linebackers. But uh, special team's great. Backup linebacker, decent, can help you out in a spot. But to play as much as he's had to play, because uh, he had to come into the game last week when mm-hmm. Hitchens got hurt, and playing so much today, it just it's that's not what he is. That's not what he does for you. And for the day that Darren Lee had, if you want to have the Anthony Hitchens conversation, the way that that, that linebacker group has gotten kind of shifted around, you, you have seen Ben Neiman taking some of Darren Lee's snaps in sub packages whenever Anthony Hitchens was healthy as the Mike backer, where, where Neiman would... We thought Darren Lee would be that guy. Damian Wilson's pretty much his own spot, right? But it's kind of been a Lee-Neiman hybrid for that either kind of that weak spot or, or being one of the nickelbackers. And uh, nickelbackers is funny. That's I'm just a big fan of that, that very bad band. Um, it, to be one of those nickel linebackers, you saw Darren Lee have to take all those snaps today because that's your only option, unless you bring in Reggie Ragland to take over that Mike spot, which... I've always thought he would be fine in. Whenever Spagnuolo came in, I actually thought like Reggie Ragland was one of the guys on this roster that was that was the best news for. So I don't hate a little bit more of that from him. By the way, if the uh, if you're a fan of the band Nickelback, you should start a fan club called the, the Nickel- Nickelbackers. The Nickelbackers. Absolutely. Do I have to do everything here? Right. Come on. I'm someone out. else. Someone else picked that up. I we will be asking for a share of your eventual revenue, but uh, we're not going to do any more of the work other than give you the name here on the Missouri Lottery Cheese Post Game Show. That's Brad Porter. I'm Josh Briscoe. You can make a checks out to us. We'll take some more calls. Maybe try to get you some more audio, and also take you around the league whenever we come back here on Sports Radio 810. The Chiefs post-game show is brought to you by Missouri Lottery. Every ticket you play gives back to schools across Missouri. So play it forward with the Missouri Lottery. Twenty-three seventeen, Houston. Two receivers right, two to the left. Mahomes holding it, stepping up. He's going to fire it late. He's got Tyreek Hill near side. Touchdown, Kansas City. And the cheetah runs to Paydirt for the second time in this game. Trying to give you something to be uh, excited about in loving memory of the Chiefs being undefeated or even merely a playoff team, according to some people. That's uh, just sort of the spot that we're at right now. There's some angst. There's some angst on the timeline, on the phone line, on the text line here on the Missouri Lottery Chiefs postgame show. It's not all great right now, but it is uh, it is okay. We will make it okay. We'll take you up to uh, 6 o'clock tonight, and we'll hand you over to the Sunday Night Football pregame show. Uh, but I, I don't like watching Sunday Night Football nearly as much after the Chiefs have lost mm, right. um, because I know that highlight package is coming. Although right now on NFL Network, they just show the Traverius Ward interception again. Such a good play. Hell of a catch. Such a good play. For and, like, I was genuinely so I was so happy for him because that's been the thing that's been missing from his game this far. Turned his head. Yes. What was it you said last week? Their I, I said two things. Soldered it's, to their shoulder pads. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that their helmets have been have been soldered to their shoulder yeah. pads, and I'm afraid that they just needed a really good chiropractor, which right. maybe that actually happened. By the way, on that Ward interception, not only was it one handed. The wide receiver's arms came down and cracked across his yeah. arms, and he held on to it. It was great. Incredible. By the way, they also showed the um, one of the Carlos Hyde touchdowns or the touchdown where yeah. he walked up to the camera and dropped a bunch of uh, F-bombs. Yeah. And the tweet of the day, Joshua, it's not yours, but you— It was it. mine. It was It yours. was okay. my tweet. Yes. This was the tweet of the day. Uh, Go ahead. Jeff Long has issued a public apology for the language that Carlos Hyde used <laughs> into that TV camera. 
<laughs> I laughed out loud at that one. I laughed out loud about my own one. joke. It, glad something good came from this today. It's my tweets. It's very Mick Schaefer-ish. At JB Briscoe on Twitter. If you're feeling interested, if you feel frisky. Also, at Brad K. Porter. Yeah. Just well, You should do that by now. At this Not all point. that frisky, but I mean, okay. okay. We'll, we'll see. Okay. Listen, Brad, I think you're plenty frisky. <laughs> Mark the tape. Uh, we'll go to the uh, <laughs> we'll go to the NFL scoreboard really quick. I want to give you a quick look around what's happened uh, throughout the league. This is I'm going to be reading scores for the first time. Whenever the Chiefs play at noon, I black out. I don't know what happened in football today. So let's all find out together. Brought to you by Boulevard Brewing Company. Uh, the Seahawks and Browns. I know that game was was pretty interesting. The line for that was really interesting at the front end. The Seahawks end up winning that game on the road, thirty-two to twenty-eight. A high-scoring, tight one there. Um, it, it's kind of funny. You talk about maybe we had the, we had the conversation earlier about uh, about the running game and. Uh, Russell Wilson had three touchdowns in this game, two of them through the air, but they ran the ball pretty su- successfully. Panthers and Buccaneers happened this morning in London. Um, Jameis was horrible. He had five turnovers, five four turnovers. picks, I believe. Uh, 37 to 26 as the uh, Panthers win at the uh, Tottenham Stadium in the UK. I had a tweet, another very good tweet of my own, where I actually misspelled something, saying that after the Jameis performance, they're going to have to change it to Great Brit I-N-T. And oh, that was a good one, too. Yeah, I spelled I like Britain one. wrong, though, even as I was spelling it wrong on purpose, so that I have to take a, a, a dock in quality on that one. Washington in the Tank Bowl, uh, they suffered the loss by winning. Washington 17, the Miami Dolphins 16, although Barf. they nearly won at the end with Fitzmagic back in the game. They did not, well, though. Okay, so you're the Dol- everybody knows the Dolphins are tanking. They came yeah. out and said, no, we're not tanking. Trade the left tackle. You're tanking. Yeah. Okay, so they changed quarterbacks. Yes. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's not getting it done. Mm-hmm. We're going with Josh Rosen. Yes. Halftime. Yes. Pulled. Don't get it. Done. Don't understand. It was 7-3. to three. It wasn't 41-2. to two. Like, I don't, they, like, I don't get it. Two awful franchises. For Josh Rosen in back-to-back years. Yes, Card- Cardinals, Dolphins. Oh. Oh. Uh, Philadelphia went to Minnesota, and the Vikings are interesting, and they're coming to Arrowhead in a couple of weeks. Kirk Cousins throws four touchdowns, three to Stephon Diggs. Uh, you can say all you want about Dalvin Cook, although uh, Alexander Madison led the team in rushing today for the Vikings. Who? I don't know who that is. Who? I don't know who that is, but they're very effective throwing the ball. 38-20, to 20, they beat the Eagles in Minnesota. The Eagles are one of those teams. It's like, oh, this is a Super Bowl team. No. I'm imagining their postgame show sounds a lot like, what does a Super Bowl team actually look like? And I you know think that's worth noting. Kirk Cousins has taken a step up since Thielen aired him out and put, a, put up his ass a couple of weeks ago. He'll be oh. back. And Diggs is still not denying that he wants out. Yeah, which is hilarious. I, Kirk Cousins seems like he'd be an exhausting player to have throw you yes. the football. I, yes. I, Stephon Diggs and I both know that that's not going to last. No. Um, in Jacksonville, another game that was a really interesting line. I remember people talking about like, what is going on here exactly? The Saints end up winning that game against the Jags, thirteen to six. Real barn burner there. And then even after bringing back the opening kickoff, the Bengals cannot hold on against the Ravens, twenty three seventeen. Though that game's closer than it should have been because I think the Ravens are actually good at football. Those are the games that have uh, have gone final. Obviously, the Patriots beat the uh, Giants on Thursday night. Brought to you by Boulevard Brewing Company, Kansas City's beer. So is Minshew Magic officially? Is the bloom off the rose there? I love narratives, how they develop from week to week. Yeah, I don't know. Minshew man. Magic. Dak Prescott two weeks ago was the MVP, and He's the Cowboys fine. were going to the Super Bowl. He's fine. I Dak is fine. Minshew is fine. Wait, Sam you know Darnold's playing. Well, spoiler alert. I'll come back around to that. 
Kyle Allen is fine. He might be the starter the rest of the year. Yeah, and, and Minshew is. I don't know if they're gonna, you know, give it back to Nick Foles. I just, I, you could throw all those dudes in a bucket and shake it up and draw them at random, and you can throw Nick Foles in there too. People were yelling at me before Week One that I said that Nick Foles is one of those guys. People were so mad. Throw all those dudes into a bucket, and you throw Case Keenum and Colt McCoy and. Josh Rosen and Fitzmagic, and some of them are better in that bucket than others. Kirk Cousins is better than most of those people in that bucket, no. but throw them in the bucket. Uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, we have a full phone board, so you can call in and someone hangs up. If you've got something else to say we haven't heard yet, you haven't heard yet tonight here on the Missouri Lottery Chiefs postgame show. Let's go to Norm. What's up, Norm? Hey, hello, fellas. How are you all doing today? All things considered, not too bad. What's on your mind? Hey, I live down here in Orlando, Florida. I'm a big diehard Chiefs fan, and being down here, there's a lot of fans that watch the game. Washington game today and last week, the Chiefs cannot get – we do not have a good offensive line. We don't have a good defensive line. I've been watching the Chiefs play since Mike Williamson days. We are never balanced on these times of the field. Um, trying to make this quick, but um, we played terrible. We're up 17-3 to in the first quarter, just like last week in Elliott. We have a lot of problems with both lines, and uh, I just hope we can turn around, but it's not looking good, and that even the other players, or not the other players, but the other uh, fans that are watching the other games are saying the same things about the Chiefs. We do not have the consistency on either side of the line. I will uh, get off the phone and listen to your call. Go Chiefs, but I just think we're in for a long, uh, miserable season again. Thank you. Thanks, I appreciate the call. Listen, on a, on a Chiefs scale, it's not going to be miserable, okay? I just, I want you to, everyone take that. On a Chiefs scale, it's not going to be miserable. Here's what I will say, because he's right. The offensive and defensive lines this year have been not good. That's like borderline factual. That's almost not even an opinion. That's like scientific fact at this point. But what I will say is, you know, you'd say other teams looking at the Chiefs and seeing the same thing. Other teams are looking at their own teams and seeing stuff like that. Because that sort of football, you're going to find, this is, I'm not excuse making, please don't hear that, but just trying to put this into a little bit of context. Every team has its deficiencies, and I would argue that throughout the, the sport of professional football, it's about figuring out what of those, which of those deficiencies you can overcome. Because it is a salary cap sport, and you do have drafts that try to favor the worst teams, and, and, and you're, you're constantly trying to figure out, hey, how do we overcome whatever it is that is, is causing us trouble? The reason the Patriots have been so good for so long is because they've been they've they've been overcoming every offensive deficiency because they have Tom Brady and they've been overcoming every defensive deficiency because they've had Bill Belichick. And so you don't even notice what the deficiencies might actually be. Like that's a that's the perfect situation. I don't think Steve Spagnolo is going to cover for every defensive defensive inefficiency or or deficiency. And and I I, I don't think that at least this this semi hobbled limited Mahomes is going to be enough with Andy Reid to overcome the fact that that offensive line is is getting him teed off on right now, and so that battle I think is always what we should really be talking about here. The, the, the Chiefs aren't missing something that every other good team actually has. You like the 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 Cowboys have a lot of very good things, but they have a deficiency at quarterback that the Chiefs don't have. 
they've got the running back and they've got a receiver and they've got some some very good defenders and they're currently getting their bleep handed to them by Sam Darnold and his giant spleen. Like that's what that's currently happening in football right now. And they might not win that. They might win that game. They might lose that game. I don't know. But you're you're going to see that happen all the time. That's why teams don't go 19 or no. And the only teams that ever get close are the Patriots, which have been doing this at an unprecedented level for a long time. With the Chiefs line specifically, they spend the draft pick on Chris Jones, and I think I still think they ultimately pay him. They spend draft picks and pay Frank Clark. They spend a high draft pick on Derek Nottie. They spend the high draft pick on Colin Saunders. They bring in Alex Okafor in free agency and outbid whatever bidders he had. They trade for Emmanuel Ogba. It was for Eric Murray. It's not a lot, but they trade for Emmanuel Ogba. You, you make these moves. On the offensive side, they draft Eric Fisher 1-1. They pay him. They get Mitch Schwartz in free agency. They pay him. They draft LDT as a value, but they ultimately pay him. And then they try to get by with uh, Wiley and Ryder. And Ryder hasn't been, hasn't been great, certainly. Wiley wasn't great and then got hurt. And now we're talking about Cam Irving and Martinez Rankin and stuff like that. All of the stuff the caller brought up there is fair and reasonable, but I don't think it's for lack of trying, which isn't good enough. Trying doesn't win you Lombardi trophies. Very aware of that. But I, I do feel like that's worth bringing out in this moment of of high stress. That it, It's not that they've been ignoring those positions. They just haven't been solving them particularly well this season. I agree with just about everything you had to say there. The only thing that popped in my head is when you mentioned LDT getting a contract. That, to me, is looking like a really not such a good idea. Anymore. That's totally fair. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, you could say that about, that was about jump, Frank Clark that and was all that. was a jump-the-gun, oversized contract. Yeah, and Here's I think the—no, the, I mean, I don't think that that—I'm not going to fight you on it. I think what, what the Chiefs probably say is they were trying to get him— out of what would end up being a value right. because he continues to... They did that with Eric Fisher, I would argue, right. successfully. Yeah. You pay him a little early, a I'm, little too much. No problem with Fisher. Because by two years later, he's improved by another chunk that that is actually a value in there. I think that worked out okay. Um, but again, the caller's still right. This team has a trenches problem at the moment. How many calls have been taken on the postgame show previous to the last season or two. Got to get rid of Eric Fisher. What's he doing in there? Why why do we still have Eric Fisher? Yep. Look what happens when you don't have Eric Fisher. Yep. And you could make the argument probably— he's really good. Yes, he is. And and I don't know. You could could probably make the argument that he is a—I mean, just he's he's one of the 20 best left tackles in the sport. Sure. I would be loosely inclined to probably argue higher. I'm not an expert on the entire NFL's crop of, of starting left tackles, but even if you argued he was a top 30, just merely a starter, um, I think you can see what happens whenever you drop from 30 to 40 or 15 to 40, which is what I, I would argue is probably more accurate in this case here. It gets obviously worse mm-hmm. and and dramatically so. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Ed's been holding on for a long time. What's up, Ed? Fellas, thanks for taking the call. Thanks for waiting. Hey, I'm missing Mario's call. I missed his call today. No, we didn't hear from Mario today. I hope uh, I hope he's he's Man, taking this okay. He, you know, this is, these are the days he calls in and talks about the woman in the red dress, and it gets me all crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, fellas, really, we all know the defense is lacking. When I can sit on my couch and watch the game 
And the guy, well, we know he's running a pass play, or we yeah. know it's a run play. I mean, come on, Spagnolo, Come on. We're all Italians. Come on. Let's get together. <laughs> get it together. But the other thing is, and I know, I know this is going to cause controversy all over the city. I say next Thursday night, you sit in the homes. Sit him down. Let him heal that ankle. We'll come back in two weeks, and we'll win it out. Ed, I appreciate the call. I'll, I'll tell you this, man. You're not the first person to suggest that. You will find allies there. Again, I appreciate the call. Thanks, Ed. Um, you're not the first person to say that, and the, they're not going to do it, and I don't think I would do it. He's going to get the 10 days anyway. Um, I don't think that the Chiefs, as currently constituted with uh, Matt Moore instead of Patrick Mahomes, win on Thursday. And I think they do with a, with the even limited Patrick Mahomes. I, I think he would essentially be saying, hey, we are going to, in all likelihood, take an L in a road game, a divisional game, against a team that's that's not important to our playoff run, even though they're in the division. They're they're not gonna be breathing down your neck at any point. I don't I don't think they're going to do that. And I think that for the, the ten days they have off between their Thursday night game and their next Sunday game, they are going to put Patrick Mahomes in a cryogenic chamber, but give him appropriate footwear, unlike Antonio Brown. That's, I mean, I think that's probably the plan. The teams who expect to compete for a chance at getting to the Super Bowl do not bench the starting quarterback because he's a little bit sore. And yeah, I, he's and limited. I'm, and I'm not, I would say he's limited. He's, I, he's I do, limited. I want to, because that's, that's, that's the thing, Brad. Like, I. I don't want to undersell it, right? Because I I do believe that the offense has been worse with Mahomes' injury, but I also don't want to oversell it and say that if he plays, he could he could die like Sam Darnold last week, you right. know? Well, and he's going to have extra time off after the Thursday game. Yes, so yes. he he will play in that game, and perhaps if they get a comfortable enough uh, lead, uh, get him out of the game in Mile High State. By the way, that'd Bron- be great. I'd love that. Broncos up thirteen to ten on the Titans and. Uh, Beards just informed me Marcus Mariota is out. Yes, not Mar- hurt. Benched. Out. He was uh, benched. Ryan Tannehill, yes, Ryan Tannehill, savior. So, maybe, maybe this will be the time that Ryan Tannehill shows it. Put him in the bucket. Put him in the quarterback <laughs> guy. bucket. Just another guy. Beards, I, write this down, please. Beards has an entire folder of this. Can you please write down that I need to get a bucket so I can write quarterback names on it and just throw them into the bucket? You, you're I'll say- add that to the list. Thank you're you. saying you want to make a bucket list? Look at this guy. But <laughs> So, <laughs> so it was good. so bad. That was great. Such a dad joke. It made me genuinely laugh. So Mariota, before getting pulled, 7 of 18, 63 yards, 3.5 per, two interceptions, no touchdowns, sacked three times in a QB rating of 9.5. Again, not to overreact to the caller earlier who's had another miserable season. You know what a miserable season is, though? It's that we are in year 74 of Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston, <laughs> and still their damn teams don't know if they have a quarterback or not. Mm-hmm. And now Ryan Tannehill, the quintessential I-don't-know-if-he-can-do-this-or-not guy, is is stepping in for uh, for uh, Mariota and somebody— Oh, RG3 is backing up Jameis in Tampa, by the way. So uh, you've got Jameis and uh, Mariota or Tannehill and RG3. That's where we're at right now. Uh, let's take at least in one more phone call. A few callers left that I've been holding on for a long time. Let's go to Lance. What's up, Lance? Thanks for holding on for us. Hey, thanks, guys. I'll make it quick because I know there's a lot of people waiting. Uh, my biggest concern, if you will, short term, is just you know how are we going to overcome these injuries? And, and the comment I've got, and maybe it's a long term concern playing in here, is you know all teams get injuries. I know the I know this is affecting the Chiefs. It seems like the the drop off between our uh, our starters and the guys that are the twos 
is pretty dramatic. You know, I mean, the mm-hmm. Colts two what two games ago had both safeties out. Today, yep. I think the you know, Texans lost a tackle and a, and a corner, so it'd have been two corners out. Yep. But yeah, you seem to manage this, and I, I don't know. You know, I mean, I know Seren talked about how you know we had to go off the the NFL. Uh, maybe it's not fair trash heat, but you know, a guy that wasn't even in the league to get uh, you know our starting guard today. Yeah. Um, so I'm. I guess that's my my short term is a we need to get these guys back, and I think the Chiefs will be fine. You know, it's not time to panic. Mm-hmm. Long term is you know a convention and read you know assess talent well enough and manage their cap well enough um, to put people around the homes to make it make it a run. I mean, I wouldn't expect a Patriots run, but something along those lines, you know, half of that maybe. You yeah. know, that's my concern. And then final comment, I think Brad's also an Iowa fan, and you got some people need to give us hugs for these last two weeks. Brutal. So. <laughs> what is it? I think a total of, what, eight points have been scored in two games? It's been awful. Just oh awful. no! What no? They they exploded, wasn't it? Ten this time. I'm 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 kind was, of blanking these from my memory, Brad. I can't remember. I know was, last week it was three, and then was it six? No, they got did they end up with thirteen yesterday? I can't uh, remember. Listen, at least so. you at least you got Ben Neiman as as one of the guys on the chopping block from today's <laughs> game. Uh, yeah, keeping yeah, it. I was all excited to have a couple of Hawkeyes, Hitchens, and Neiman on the team, and now I don't want to really talk about that too much. <laughs> somebody, <laughs> I think somebody tweeted before the game they were going through the Chiefs parking lot, and somebody was wearing a Tony Moyaki jersey. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, see, someone oh, said God. miserable season earlier, and thank you, Brad, for reminding yeah. me. It's we're not we're not in misery. We're just no. I uh, we're just at a yeah. couple of bad games. Lance, I appreciate the call, and I I hope sure. that somebody gets a win for you soon. I hope that you're a Yankees uh, fan or something. I I hope you get a victory. Oh God, I'm not, I'm not that desperate yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, All right. So thanks for the call, Lance. Appreciate it. Misery. The Rams are on pace to lose their third consecutive game. Niners are gonna go five and zero. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Look at that. I'll give you one more scoreboard update here in a little bit as well. Uh, don't spoil all my good. Oh, well. You spoiled my Tannehill thing. You're spoiling my Rams <laughs> thing. I don't know. And I was Brad. thinking, what's what's sports talk in LA like ever after a Rams loss? Just beach fuzz, sounds. Just, just, just beach sounds. Just noise. White they just, noise. They just put a Yeti mic on the beach. Yeah, you hear waves and seagulls and stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, this is great. I love it here. I live in LA. Um, Nobody cares. I do think there's like a depth thing that's fair to discuss because, like, listen, there there are success stories and there are failures. Again, like, uh, Damian Wilson is a success story. Darren Lee was a relatively like he was lots of low acquisition point. I don't think he's got an incredible future in the league at this point by what we saw at least today. But you know, it's a that's a, a low risk thing. Um, having a big drop off from Chris Jones to anybody. Should be expected. A big drop-off from, again, like, you know, Eric Fisher to, to Cam Irving. Cam Irving is at least being paid like a top-shelf swing tackle. Um, you can look at the interior offensive line. They 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 decided we're not going to give Mitch Morse a big contract. I liked Mitch Morse a lot. I wouldn't have paid him either. You, you make decisions like this with guards and stuff all the time. Was LDT the right, the right move? I don't. It doesn't seem great at the moment, but you know, can you make this work with with Wiley or Rankin or whoever ends up? If if next week, if it's Wisniewski next week, who literally, you know, that was the dude from from four days ago. I think that's all kind of up in the air. Who hasn't played? Hasn't been on a team this year. Right. Correct. Um, he started during the Eagle Super Bowl run, and then just he, like he got cut this preseason. I don't know. It's all very strange. Uh, let's go to Cruz here on Sports Radio 810. What's on your mind, Cruz? Thanks for waiting on hold for us. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, just real quick, I-, I love your show. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. Uh, you guys are, uh, seriously, especially after losses like this, you guys are therapy, so I feel like <laughs> probably, 
I should probably mail you guys a check here pretty soon. I so, mean, uh, yeah, I'll take that. And then lay down, grab a couch, and just try to relax here. We'll we'll get you through it. That that's my next step for sure. Um, so you know, I guess the the only uh, at least for me the only bright spot as of literally right now is that we get to play uh, the Broncos here pretty soon hmm. on Thursday. Um, <clears throat> The bad thing is, is that we're playing the Broncos on Thursday, <laughs> right. uh, and I'm a little concerned. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I think we'll be fine. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to be uh, fat. That's silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I guess my, my question for you guys is, is that um, before I ask my question, we, we've obviously heard a lot about the defense. We all are in agreement that it's a concern. There's not mm-hmm. a big solution, uh, you know, uh, you know, on the horizon. But mm-hmm. uh, what what? It might be the same answer. There is no answer. What, what's going on with the O-line? I'm just concerned about, uh, obviously, our meal ticket um, homes, uh, that ankle. Uh, if you, you know, as we all saw today, th- those passes had to get out so quickly. Yeah. And even then, it wasn't fast enough, and he's the best of the best. So if you could just talk about the O-line, uh, I would really appreciate it. Thanks again for the show, guys. Uh, I'll listen off the air. I appreciate the call, Cruz, and uh, for uh, for sticking with us here, especially in the uh, the losses and the long shows. Um, I mean, I to, I've given you all the names, right? We, I literally just said all of the names of all of these dudes. And you say, well, that didn't sound like an answer. You'd be right. That'd be exactly correct. It wouldn't really be an answer. Um, I think to some extent it's get Patrick Mahomes one of those, uh, like, a, like a, a, a bigger version of those rib pads that quarterbacks wear and, like, put his ankles inside hamster balls or something to protect them for until Eric Fisher gets back. Because that is that is a solution on the horizon. You, we just didn't realize how bad it would look without him. And then maybe it's kicking Cam Irving into left guard. I, I don't think Nick Allegretti is going to um, is going to be like jumping Austin Ryder on the depth chart anytime soon at center. He would be the guy. Like if if Ryder got hurt, I think Allegretti would probably hop in there. And I'd be a little surprised if he was ready for that. That's a that's a big spot in in terms of of knowing what you're working with and also just trying to actually be good at the position. Um, I and I don't think there's going to be like a big trade coming or anything. I think they messed up by cutting Jeff Allen, and they cut Jeff Allen. It seemed like by the tweet that he had then deleted that he was sort of spurned by being surprisingly released. I think he should be starting at left guard for this team right now. I think that was a mistake. It also carries like a $2 million dead cap hit. If you're talking about losses that Brett Veach has to take, that's an L. And if they were to bring him back, wouldn't it cost an extra 600000 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would I heard be, Bo Richter talking about it. Yeah, it would be whatever point. they would. Yeah, it would be whatever. I actually didn't hear him talking about it today. Uh, but it would be whatever they I, paid him to bring thought, him back, basically. I thought that was an odd cut, considering you brought him in not all that long ago. I mean, relatively yeah. speaking. He yep. wasn't in training camp or anything. But yep. it wasn't that long ago you brought him in. All of a sudden nope. you cut him because... You, you had to get put Mo Claiborne, Claiborne mm-hmm. on, on the uh, on the squad. So I mean, if you look at if you talk about mixing and matching uh, chess pieces on the on the board to the left side of the Chiefs' offensive line, you get, you, you got a you got a bunch of pawns in a box. You don't. Yeah. There, there's no rooks. There's no yeah. knights. There's no bishops. There's no nothing. And you can move one around one side or the other and whatever. What was that word? Whatever. Before that one. What's the piece that can move hor- uh, can move diagonally on the board? Uh, bishops. Bishop. Wow. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. What did you think I said? Nothing. By the way, the thing that bothers me there a lot is that Ryan Hunter had like a bad twenty minutes of football, and they were like, "Yeet, like, gone." Okay. Anything else will do. Um, they should have cut Ryan Hunter. That was the guy who was going to the born. 
Ryan Hunter was going to the team bus after the game, and they pulled his luggage off and <laughs> said, No, 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 no. Yeah, we got another bus for it's you. It's a Greyhound. We got okay. one going right to the airport. Uh, all right, let's go to John here on Sports Radio 8. Tim, what's up, John? Hi, how, how, how you guys doing? I got all, um, all things considered not too bad. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a uh, chief season ticket holder from St. Louis. I drive back and forth for the games. Um, the reason why I bring that up from St. Louis, um, I'm, I like a lot of things that the Chiefs try to do defense. I like the fact that they tried something, period, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But the hiring of Steve Spagnuolo, obviously being in St. Louis, was very familiar with him. Yeah. So I thought, okay, wasn't very happy. But I thought, okay, one of the things that I heard was, uh, speaking specifically, and I, I know we can talk all day about you know problems on defense, but speaking specifically, I, I was told by a lot of people, oh, well, we're going to see a lot, of, a lot more pressure on the other opposing quarterback. Where has that been? Because I haven't seen it at all, uh, intermittently. Is it just, mm-hmm. I mean, is it strictly a personnel problem? or is? And then, you know, you add on top of that, the secondary is an absolute mess. Because it seems to me, I don't know what the specific, you know, as far as yards allowed or anything from last year, I don't know. But it seems to me this defense is actually worse and not better than it was last year. And I don't know, I know you said there's, you don't think there's a trade on the, on the horizon. I know, I hate to mention the name again, but, you know, Ramsey, I know he, I know he's kind of suffering from an injury a little mm-hmm. bit as well, but mm-hmm. he was set again today, and there's speculation about you know leading up to a trade to a trade somewhere, maybe Philly, maybe here, who knows? I don't know. So I guess it gets your opinion on you know, I mean, there are the problems are there. The offensive line, I think that's I think injuries are going to be an issue. I, I'm concerned about Mahomes, you know, ankle. But looking forward, I mean, this game in Denver, I who would have thought? How, when you really look at it, how critical this game is because right. you look at who's coming after that. You got the Packers coming in here. You got the Vikings coming in here. Neither one of those teams are a slouch. If you drop, if you really drop the ball, which we don't think they will, I hope and pray not. But if they do in Denver, you could be looking at a really bad situation that we are going to have to very quickly reevaluate our uh, <laughs> thoughts and hopes on the Chiefs this year. Yeah, I. I, I think you're right on that front, John. I appreciate you listening, and, and thanks for the call. Um, I, I That's another one of the reasons that I, I don't think there's any chance Mahomes just gets like put on ice for this week. I, I think he's playing. I think the Chiefs feel like this is – it's not a must-win game in the traditional sense, but it's a game that they do need to win. Um, I am 1,000% still on the Jalen Ramsey bandwagon, and I have no problem with the Patrick Peterson conversation and all of that. That would help this defense – Specifically looking at the trenches, I don't know what there would be. Maybe you find the team that's falling out of it, and you say, hey, you know what, we'll give you a fifth for that dude who's, you know, your your second or third best guy at this position. But those kind of trades aren't really going to change anything fundamentally. Like a star would, which again, they have one of those coming back in both trenches, being Fisher and Chris Jones. We just don't have anything from them yet. Jalen Ramsey, as far as the Jaguars are concerned, is still worth a boatload of number one picks. Yeah. Not just total picks. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Peterson, the story's kind of been circulating this week that they've gotten multiple, been contacted by multiple teams, but maybe the price is a little high and you've got till, I believe, October 29th is Mm -hmm. the uh, trade deadline. By the way, I had to laugh this week when Shad Khan, the owner of the... uh, the Jags. Not the singer, not Shaka Khan. No. Shad Khan, the yes. owner of the Jaguars, who's yes. worth billions of dollars because he sells truck bumpers. Is that true? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. that's where, Look him up. He's okay. made. That's where he made his money. Almost every car in America has a Shad Khan bumper on it. So, this story... Weird. Okay. Yeah, it's a weird story. Yeah, I, I, just, I don't know how I didn't know that. I feel like I'd know that. So, the story came out that Shad Khan had a personal conversation with Jalen Ramsey, and he feels good about him, and uh, he says he's probably going to play this week. No, 
You had a personal conversation with Jalen Ramsey, and he told you what you wanted to hear because <laughs> right. you're the owner and you have billions of dollars. Right. You did not get any inside information because you happen to own the team. Yes, that's correct. I, I do think that they, he wants to keep him around, but I that that's that situation does not feel solved by by any means no. yet. Um, and then to the Spagnuolo point. Uh, there were a couple of times today when I did think, oh, here's here comes a blitz, and one didn't come. No. I know that's part of the chess game, but he's had some moments where he's called him up, and it's been really good, and he's had some moments where he hasn't, and I've also been left wanting a little bit. All right, we got to get out of here, and we will wrap it up whenever we come back here on the other side. of the of, Nope, Central Bank of the Midwest is a pregame show. I've never even hosted that. Why do I say that? Thanks, our friends at Central Bank of the Midwest. Here on the Missouri Lottery Chiefs postgame show. The Chiefs postgame show is brought to you by Missouri Lottery. Every ticket you play gives back to schools across Missouri. So play it forward with the Missouri Lottery. Also Damian Williams and Lee at running back. And now the ball pops out on the first snap for the Texans. The ball is loose. Kansas City's got that football at the 17-yard line. Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde, the Chiefs, had him in training camp. He had the ball pop out, and Frank Clark jumps on the football on the first Texan play from scrimmage. Better times. Times <laughs> when I thought for sure that the Chiefs were going to make a statement. Following their primetime loss, they lost to another AFC South team and bummed this all out like super duper, super bummed. It's not great. The good news is the entire NFL is a pit of chaos, and I'll give you one more update on the games currently going on right now here uh, on Sports Radio 810, brought to you by Boulevard Brewing Company. Um, games that are active at the moment. The Jets are are just holding on after a, a Cowboys touchdown, but they are getting the ball back and up 21 to 16. Six and a half minutes left. Uh, Jets over Cowboys. The Broncos are currently beating the Titans in Denver right now, 13 to nothing. As we mentioned earlier, Ryan Tannehill has come in for Marcus Mariota as that game is now in the fourth quarter and the Titans have yet to put up a single point, something to keep an eye on because uh, the Chiefs are going there in just a few days. Cardinals and Falcons. The Falcons are driving right now to tie it up, but uh, at the moment the Cardinals hold a seven-point lead, 34-27 to with two and a half minutes left in Arizona. The Cardinals are looking to win two in a row. The Niners are about to stay undefeated. This one's a little confusing. Just the Niners altogether. This game makes a little bit of sense, though. Uh, Niners at Rams. The Rams are having some significant problems after losing in the Super Bowl last year. 20-7, to San Francisco over L.A. And then coming up here, coverage starting in mere minutes on Sports Radio 810. You can hear Steelers and Chargers as Philip Rivers and company attempt to get back to 500 and stay in the race for an AFC West. It's a little more interesting right now than it was six hours ago. So um, we'll see if, uh, if they can do anything. You can hear all that right here on Sports Radio 810. Make this the season of great beer with Boulevard Brewing Company, who brought you that scoreboard update. All right, Brad, we got a couple minutes left before we hand it over to the Sunday Night Football action. Yep. We've taken all the calls. We've heard some of the audio. We've given all of the takes. Anything different for you right now than it was three hours ago, six hours ago with the Chiefs? It The problems that reared their head last week, and look, this is stopping the run has been a problem all year, but the, the problems that were really uh, blown up last week were back there again. Mm -hmm. And you've got a short week to figure this out. And you're not going to solve all the problems because you've got injured people all over the place. You know, you can't, well, I suppose you could. You're not going to sign six guys 
in a week. You're not going to get two new defensive tackles, a linebacker, a left tackle, yep. and a left guard. You're, you're just not going to get all that. So you're going to have to figure it out. And, and I go back to this. Take away that positive that you brought up earlier in the show. The points per game average that the Chiefs defense gives up before today is a little over 14 per, uh, per game. That's, that's a thing. I do hope the Chiefs go to Denver on Thursday night, and I hope they smuggle Chris Harris Jr. onto the airplane when they fly back. Yes. Uh, the Broncos are probably not going to trade him within the division, but it was only a couple of weeks ago he said we're in a world of suck. And I would love to have Chris Harris Jr. play corner for the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked about maybe just sitting with Holmes on Thursday. I don't think they should or will, but maybe if Elway gives them uh, Chris Harris Jr., maybe those, you know what, you can have Matt Moore in this game on Thursday night. Oh, boy. Uh, that'd be fun. Oh, man. Listen, uh, the thing that happened today, like last week, is a bunch of different bad things all coming together. It was different today, but it was uh, a handful of the same similarities. I do think that the Chiefs have something to play for on Thursday. Brad, you and I will be right back here following that game on Sports Radio 810 to so break it all down. One in the morning on that one? I, I will go until we don't have anything to talk about anymore. Somebody will fall asleep again and call her. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Bye, Mom. Follow the Chiefs right here on your home for the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. Sports Radio 810 WHB.